This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hi, this is Kelly Thompson, writer of Hawkeyes and the Holograms, A-Force, upcoming Phasma for Star Wars, and more. I'm uh, listening to THN with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's our pleasure to welcome you to episode 455, another landmark issue of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. Two things. One, they're not issues, they're episodes. And two, there's nothing landmark about I like calling them issues, because it just like, you know, comics like to call those like seasons and crap like that. Issues are for print. My name is Matt Bong. I'm Joe Patrick. Together, Matt and I tackle this week's new comic news, rumors, and reviews, all while sharing the same body and protecting the ancient stepped pyramid we discovered below Omaha so many years ago with a webcomic coming soon. That's me, Joe Patrick, promising you this week on the show. We'll tag team 12 new comics. I don't even know why I need to be here. During the ludicrous speed round, then we'll visit the teach and Sanctum Sanctorum with drugs, black magic, and sometimes voices from the other side. Help us pick something to read next week. 455. I don't know what I wrote there. <laughs> Before we smash a champagne bottle on the good ship episode 455, we'll invite you all to our digital after party where Joe and I will be binging as many post-nuclear apocalypse movies we can find in preparation for Trump's rhetoric to surround the entire U.S. in atomic fire the likes of which the Earth has never seen. Now, let's talk about this week's Nerd News! The nerd news started hitting early this week, treating fans to their first look at Josh Brolin in full costume as Cable. Brolin is appearing as Cable in the upcoming Deadpool sequel. Now let's not waste any time, Bomb. I think they absolutely nailed it. It looked even better than I thought it could. It I looked don't, even better than I thought they could do. Like I, You're exactly right. Right? Because I thought to myself, like I couldn't, I couldn't picture it, right? right. I couldn't picture it. Josh Brolin as Cable. I kept thinking if they're going to do it and do it right, it's going to look stupid. That well, was my thought. I, just, like, I, I thought, bet they like, nail it, but it looks dumb. I thought that they did such a good job with Deadpool. Like I, I was confident that it was going to look good, but I yeah. couldn't picture it. And then the pictures came out, and it was exactly right. You're exactly right. It was yeah. better than I could have dared it's hoped. It's too cool. It is. Oh, man. He looks fantastic. Uh, and so there have been three photos, two of them official and one like a candid uh, so you, we got like a body shot of the outfit with the pouches. He's got fucking pouches. Yeah. Uh, he's got a giant gun. Yeah. He's got a robot arm. He looks great. Uh, he's got the weird eye on the, the one side and the scar the on the line. other. Oh man. Uh, and then there was a close up shot uh, of his face, and he's got like the shit going down his neck. Yeah. It, the techno organ. They're fires. doing all of it. Uh, and he's and got the white hair he is and the- shred out. Oh Ripped my god! <laughs> I mean, I guess if you were going to come up with one complaint, he's not like comic book big, but of course not. Yeah, you'd have to CGI a guy that looked like Rob Liefeld. Right. Cable. When, when Rob Liefeld was drawing him, Cable was eight and a half. And then uh, there was another uh, uh, another photo of him like hugging a, a young fan dressed as Deadpool. So like it's much more well lit, so you can get a better look at the outfit. Yeah. and the makeup and. It's so amazing. Yeah, just nailed it. 
I can't wait to see that happen I'm in action. I'm super excited. In other news, Netflix has acquired Mark Millar's Millar World, home of the writer's various creator-owned titles such as Wanted, Starlight, and Reborn. The deal will reportedly allow the streaming giant to make films, series, and kids shows. Huh. Based on Miller's various properties. Yeah, like what? <laughs> um, I can't wait to see the kiddie version of uh, Jupiter's Circle. <laughs> yeah, or the one where uh, the kid is, the kid thinks he's the son of God, but he's actually the son of the anti, yeah. son of the devil. And oversee continued comic book work done by Miller through Miller World. So we basically have a place to adapt everything that comes out of Mark Miller's head directly onto Netflix with him at the helm. In similar news, on the same week, Amazon responded by signing Robert Kirkman's Skybound imprint to a similar deal. Joe, is this where independent comics are going? Are we all going to sign deals with different streaming services now? I mean, this is a good thing. We agree, right? Well, I think I agree that it's good for Mark Miller. <laughs> well, sure. Um, I hope that it's as good or at least... De uh, beneficial for his collaborators. That's kind of where my mind went. I have a feeling that he's going to take care of because these guys. Uh, Mark Miller is is famous for structuring his deals as basically 50-50 splits. Right. Between like kick asses, him and John Romita Jr., mm -hmm. um, Linnell Francis, you uh, uh, co-created um, I can't say the name. I can see the character. Not Secret Service. No, no, no. Um, Super Crooks. Yeah. Greg Capullo and Reborn. But I mean, so, like, if you look at how he's worked on the movies that they were like Kingsman, he absolutely took care of his partner on that. And uh, Dave Gibbons, Dave I Gibbons. think, drew yeah. Secret Service. Yeah, Secret Service. Uh, the original. Yep. Kick ass, definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's worked very well take, making sure that everyone is taken care of. You don't hear people bitching about working with Mark Miller. No, yes, absolutely right. So, but my question is like, now that he basically he does not own them anymore. Does that mean that John Romita Jr. still owns 50% of Kick-Ass? No, he still owns them. They just have the rights. They they're no, just, they bought the Miller World. Yeah, the right, and they're buying the rights to adapt stuff. No, no. They're going to let him continue no. to do the stuff? Yes, of course. But, Matt, they did not buy the rights to Miller. They did not secure the rights to Miller World. They bought Miller World in the same way that Disney bought Marvel. Right. But they're going to give him the freedom to do it, and I guarantee he's taken care of. Sure, until until they decide not to. Oh, no, they won't do that. That's like, it, it's not a rights thing. Like he did not license Miller World; he sold right. Miller World. See now, and then Skybound is partnering with Amazon, so Amazon well, did not buy Skybound. And this has nothing to do with their comics. This is more about their. It's like a first look deal with their right with their TV stuff. Uh, it used to be with AMC. Now it's with Amazon. So Kirkman just jumped to a different network. A different well, you, I mean, I, the walking dead's going to continue where it is, but he's talking about this other time. Yes. Future project. I think this is awesome. And I think this is a way for these nerds to get paid. And what I want to see is nerds getting paid and Netflix and Amazon are perfect places for stuff like this because people will seek it out. It doesn't have to be edited. It doesn't have to be toned down. They can do exactly what they want to do. I think this is fantastic. I I mean I I definitely think like I love Kingsman of all the of all the things that have been made into movies from Miller Properties Kingsman is by far the best. Oh, without a doubt. Um I didn't really much care for the Kick-Ass movies. I liked the first one. It was The fine. first one I thought was okay. The second um, one I did not care about. I never even saw it. Um Wanted, I remember sort of enjoying Wanted except for the whole like mystical loom 
I st- business. I, I would argue Wanted the movie was better than Wanted the series. <laughs> I think Wanted the series has a very terrible ending. Dismissive yeah. ending, yes. Sure. Um, but yeah. So I don't know. I I, I think like if we're going to get... I, and I think that Miller today is different than Miller from 10 years ago sure. when he was putting out those books. Because sure. since then we've had Starlight and Jupiter's Legacy. These yeah. are good books. Hawkwood. Um Wonderful. But yeah, so like I'm I'm into them bringing, uh, like if they can make a Starlight series on Netflix. Oh yeah, man, I'm into it. Oof. I hope it works out well for his collaborators as much as it is for him. I hope it doesn't mean that like Netflix is gonna suddenly be dictating content. No, um, because that's kind of where they've been really. Netflix has already been really cool with everyone yeah. they've dealt with, and Netflix I read somewhere is spending like twenty billion dollars on original content in the next 10 years so this stuff is a gold mine for them what a shock because i read that netflix is 20 billion dollars in debt well yeah i mean that's <laughs> they're taking a risk on this i mean and i think it's gonna pay off this is excellent news i hope so in comic book news boom studios has announced bad mask and all new, well, this is in quotes, an all new multimedia graphic novel experience mm. debuting this November. Created by cartoonist, children's book illustrator, and instructor at the Center for Cartoon Studies, John Chad. Two our, first names. Our buddy, yeah. <laughs> our buddy Max Riffner is an, is an alumnus from the Center for Cartoon Studies. Yes. Bad Mask, quote, takes readers on an immersive, unpredictable storytelling journey into an original superhero universe through a variety of unique print and digital items, including a comic book, a newspaper, a handbook, and more, packaged in a gorgeous deluxe box set, end quote. Okay. So Chad went on to explain uh, that Bad Mask is about an organization of superpowered terrorists. They want to take over the world. Metal Metro is a robot hero that stands in their way. And one of Bad Mask's agents... Uh, is on a quest to destroy Metal Metro. Meanwhile, a new recruit joins to avenge the death of her friend. She is dismayed to learn that Bad Mask might not be the organization she thought it was. Oops, sorry, you joined a group of terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she gets caught up in a plan to save the world and re- reveal the true nature. The box includes a letter written by one of the generals of, Blad- of Bad Masks uh, explaining the contents of the box and introducing the world uh, a comic that introduces all the characters, uh, trading cards, a handbook, uh, like meeting notes. Good Lord. Uh, a fake newspaper that they've written, a magazine with articles in it, uh, a bunch of other stuff, including digital components that they can access online, like videos, letters, uh, journal entries, and even audio Good clips. Good Lord. So it's out in November at comic book stores and somehow digitally, but f- I would think you'd want the artifacts. What's the point otherwise? Yeah. No mention about the price point. And I think that this is an awesome idea for young fans, assuming it's not too expensive. Yeah. And I'm going to go into some boom price point stuff later. I love the the more I read about this, the more I was like, man, this guy had a lot of time on his hands. But you know what he's doing and doing well is he's tying the digital to all this physical stuff that you can't pirate. It just makes good sense. Well, yeah, and I you mean, put out a bunch. I don't of know if extra, that's even his goal, but well, but I mean, that's got to be part of it. Put out a bunch of really cool shit with this, and you will get on board with the physical side, 
and and there's digital stuff too. Well, they're really know? they said they're releasing the whole thing digitally, so I guess you could pirate. <laughs> no, but you're not gonna be able to pirate like these. Not notes like a physical newspaper. Like yeah, I mean, like that's one of the reasons that you you see so much merchandising and music anymore because you can't pirate T-shirts. Yeah, so. <laughs> I just I really like as a young fan, I would have killed for something like this. It sounds because cool as hell. I love all of the fun made up artifacts that you could that like take you into those worlds right. like uh when the death of superman happened dc published literally yeah i remember a uh, news time magazine yeah which was uh uh commemorating the death they did a daily planet mock-up like you said yeah uh you could get used to be able to get like avengers identity cards with your name and picture on them yeah but I love it's like here's a comic book from the world of Bad Mask. Well, and also right? I, mean, this I love guy that stuff. isn't just hitting you with a graphic novel; he's hitting you with the whole universe. Right, it's right. Re- it's really cool. Here's like, ooh, here's secret audio clips smuggled yeah. out by this new recruit. I love it. Like everything done in character, right? Right. It reminds me of what like Matt Kent did with Mind Management, where there was all this other stuff in the comic. Yeah, right. That you had to pick up the monthly comic for. It wasn't even in the reprints. Right. So cool. I, this sounds awesome. I like. I hope it's not will fifty dollars. That's what I'm saying. We're gonna have to watch the price point. Because Boom likes to put out like eight dollar annuals. Yes. So. That is a big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and all the other crap we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page, hit us up on our Twitter, hit us up on the THN forums in the big news section, and let's rap about it. I was going to talk about the Wet Hot American Summer graphic novel. <laughs> oh boy. Talk about some certain things that don't adapt well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll get to that later, too. Every week... The star of my wet, hot American summer, Joe Patrick, hey. posts the question of the week over in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the nerds this week? This week's question comes from Jimmy Randall. Short and sweet and to the point. Jimmy wants to know, what is your favorite video game based on a comic? Okay. Or vice versa, favorite comic based on a video game. Okay. I'd say you could give two answers for this. I have an answer for both. You can pick one and you can answer it, or you can give two answers for this. Yeah. For both. This would be cool. I like this. You can call the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894, and leave your message there. Or you can also email your MP3 answer to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Please keep it under two minutes. We'll have to cut you off if you don't. If you need more than two minutes, head over to the THN web forums. Join the other wet, hot American listeners in some delightful yet respectful discussion of this question and so much more. Joe, I can't remember the last time we had a real nuclear war scare. Can you? How old do you think I am? You're not quite as old as me. But do you think that I wasn't around in the 80s? No, I think you were just younger. You were just like a little tiny thing. You're an idiot. Okay, well, according to the script, I'm not as old as you, Matt, so no, I don't remember the Cold War. Ah, Ronald Reagan. I watched David Hasselhoff (laughs) tear down the Berlin Wall. (laughs) Those were the days. Joe, it seems like these cute little millennials don't know what it's like to grow up fearing mutually assured destruction. So I have decided you and I are going to give the good people of Hawaii a good old-fashioned bomb scare as we ride this replica of Fat Man, the atomic bomb, Dropped on Nagasaki in 1945, all the way down to Hanuma Bay while waving our cowboy hats and reviewing 12 of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Race! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Mr. Miracle, number one from DC, 32 pages, it's $3.99. 
Mr. Miracle is the super escape artist that's made it out of every trap imaginable, but he's never escaped death until now. Writer Tom King, who brought us The Vision, everyone's favorite series of 2016, teams with artist Mitch Garrods to present a different take on the Son of Darkseid. Something is very wrong with Scott Free, whose latest trick is seen by most as nothing more than a suicide attempt. Whatever it was, it left Scott in a pretty dark place, and his wife, teammates, and family are all starting to realize that there's something very wrong with him. Maybe he didn't escape death after all? King and Garrods present the story in a very structured nine-panel grid, punctuated with interruptions from a dark presence that increase in frequency. It gets really intense as things start to look more and more off with Scott, who Garrods has really leveled up with this issue. He employs several different distinct visual styles from scene to scene. He even affects that kind of grainy ripple found in like old VHS recordings of TV shows. Cool. Mr. Miracle number one is beautiful and it's haunting. And like with the vision, there's much more going on than what appears on the surface. I'm so excited for this series and I can't wait for the next issue. Mr. Miracle number one gets a huge buy it. WWE SummerSlam 2017 special from Boom. It's 40 pages for $7.99. They titled this the WWE SummerSlam 2017 special, and next week is SummerSlam, and I'm excited, but there's only one story in this that deals with SummerSlam at all. The current one, that is. It blows my mind that I'm even saying this, but I do love the Boom WWE comic. Don't get me wrong. It's ridiculous in the sense that it tries to flesh out the stories behind some of the WWE's favorite wrestlers and their history, but it's no more ridiculous than professional wrestling itself. All the stories focus on classic SummerSlam matches here, from boxed rounds, retelling of Dusty Rhodes versus the Macho King Randy Savage, to Ryan Ferrier's story of Mankind versus The Undertaker. Each story is a short love letter to these creators' favorite wrestlers, and all in all, it was a lot of fun. Is it worth $8? Probably not. And I have to wonder what the hell Boom is thinking with these $7.99 price tags. It's insane. For 40 pages? They don't have Marvel money, man. I get it. But, I mean, everybody else is doing 48 pages for four bucks. Marvel, bucks. Marvel and DC. Marvel and DC. Hey, there's a Titan book I, re- I review a little bit here. You'll see. WWE SummerSlam special is a perfectly good read, but it's too damn expensive. I can only give it a skim it. First Strike, number one from IDW. What do you care? You didn't pay for it. For $3.99. Yes, but I'm offering this advice <laughs> to the nerds that might. I know that I have not been kind to too many of IDW's Hasbro Revival books, but I have to confess, this one really sucked me in. This story picks up right in the middle of whatever's been going on in the universe that's shared by Transformers, G.I. Joe, Mask, I'm sorry, Mama Mask, yes. Rom, and the Micronauts, but you just have to kind of go with it. Earth has been annexed by Cybertron, and now the first human delegation is visiting the Transformers' homeworld for the very first time. This issue is full of neat twists and fun ideas like Spike and Skywarp from the Transformers book serving as members of G.I. Joe. Like, Skywarp is a member of G.I. Joe. He's okay. a giant monster. Fair enough. And the Joe team's founder and mentor, who was recently revealed to be the villainous Baron Ironblood, showing up on Cybertron with a bunch of Trojan horse Transformers stuffed with Dreadnoughts and Micronaut Ninjas. Weird. Writers Margaret Scott and David Rodriguez even do a good job of making Ironblood, G.I. Joe Colton himself, a compelling character with complex motivations. He's not just a cackling villain. 
he's he's not they didn't just like ooh what a twist he's evil right. just for the sake of it like he's got a real reason for why he's like Transformers are bullshit and we need to kill them. Well, Mar- Margaret Scott is great. Yes. She's a great writer and everything, all the Transformers stuff I've reviewed by her has been excellent. Max Dunbar's art is very decent and while it isn't as flashy necessarily as some of the other Transformers artists, his layouts are much easier to follow and there's a lot going on in this book. Yeah. Characters I'm of sure. every shape and size, literally from Micronaut size to Transformer size and it was all super clear. I'll be honest, I picked First Strike number one because I needed something to pad out my reviews, but this was a really fun surprise. I'm giving it a buy it. Redlands, number one from Image. It's 32 pages for $3.99. I heard it was so scary. It was interesting. Colorist Jordi Belair turns into a double threat writing this story of three witches that move into a small southern town with bloody results. Vanessa Del Rey co-writes the story and handles art duties. Her style is scratchy and it's spastic. I really liked it, but at times it was both perfect for the horror that's being inflicted on the local Redland Sheriff's Office and at other times a little hard to follow. I like how the story started in the middle of the siege on the Sheriff's Office. I'm very curious to see where this goes from here, but I'm hoping issue two gives us some insight in the main characters. We got none here, zero. Redlands number one is a cool and violent way to start a story about witches that are done putting up with men's bullshit. And am I on I am on board for more, but we gotta get to it. So buy it. I hope issue number two spells out a little more. That's all I'm saying. Inhumans, Wants and Future Kings, number one from Marvel, is 32 pages for $3.99. Christopher Priest returns to Marvel for a story that looks at the early years of the Boltagon legacy. The teenaged Black Bolt and Maximus are the sons of a king that died when they were too young to take up his throne. So now Attilan, some people pronounce it Adelan. I, I say Adelan in I my call head. It Attilan. I don't okay. know why. It's under the rule of a madman who will stop at nothing to prevent them from reclaiming their birthright. It's Game of Thrones with superpowers and teleporting dogs, told with priests' usual knack for politics and social consciousness. Phil Noto's art is, of course, unbelievably beautiful, and his style really suits a story like this, which is a little bit lighter on action and heavy on drama and intrigue. There's a fun but inconsequential lockjaw backup by Ryan North and Gustavo Eduardo, too, but really, the lead story is what you want. Priest and Noto, this is the kind of inhuman story I want to read. Once in Future Kings gets a buy it. Quake Champions, number one from Titan. It's 32 pages for $3.99. If you're sick of all the drama and intrigue of the Inhumans, this one shot is for you. It's not going to make my short list of best comic book video game adaptations for next week's question of the week, <laughs> but the art by Alan Qua was impressive. Quake has a new multiplayer game coming soon-ish. The official Quake Champions website lists the release date as... 2017. The story remains... So far, so good. Yeah, the story remains the same. One Marine steps through a dimensional gate into never-ending bullet-spraying, head-exploding hell, and his only drive to get home is what keeps him alive. And, of course, killing everything in sight. The comic devolves into a series of disconnected episodes of our nameless hero murdering faceless hordes of enemies while reflecting on his previous married life. It's hard for me to criticize here because I can't imagine having to write a script based on the Quake mythology and succeeding. But writer Is there a Quake mythology map? I get I mean, yeah, I suppose. Writer Ram V does a sir and that is his name, Ram V, the letter V, by the way, does a serviceable job with what he had to work with. 
I guess I'm giving this a skip. I just now realized that I have been confusing Quake with Unreal for this entire review. Okay. Yeah. Quake was Un- Unreal was just the multiplayer game. Yeah. Quake was uh, Quake was like a Doom. Yeah, Doom clone. Yeah. Not clone, but yeah. creepy monsters. It Lovecraftian. Was, it was put out to like basically battle. A Doom competitor. Doom. Yeah. yeah. Generations, the Phoenix, number one for Marvel. It's 40 pages for $4.99. See, like, I agree with you that $7.99 is a lot, but Boom, to me, gets a little bit more leeway because of their more indie status. I get it, man, but still, eight bucks. But, yeah, I know. I think five bucks is too much to pay for 40 pages. Jesus. Colin Bunn and artist R.B. Silva bring us the next chapter in the, so far, pointless Generations mini-event. This time... The time-lost young Jean Grey gets even more time-lostier when she <laughs> finds herself thrust into the past to confront her older self, who secretly a nearly omnipotent cosmic force only posing as Jean's older self while the real deal is comatose, trapped in a cocoon at the bottom of Jamaica Bay. Shut up. <laughs> if you understood everything in that last sentence, congratulations, you are Seanix. <laughs> and probably no one else. Or your honorary comic book doctorate is in the mail. <laughs> This was actually a pretty fun read, culminating with some unexpected appearances by classic Marvel Cosmic characters. And I am continually impressed by R.B. Silva's impressive art. I said impressed twice in that sentence. Yep. I'm sorry. Impressively impressed. He's come a long way since he first came onto the scene. Uh, but as with the Hulk issue, the story doesn't really solve anything or offer any answers or even leave either character any different than they were when the story began. But sometimes a good story with great art is enough, and I enjoyed reading this. I'm saying skim it. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. But it was a fun story. Fine. I, I thought it was a fine story. I'm not going to say it that much fun. But skim it for me. They fought Galactus. I know. I'm giving Generations of the Phoenix a buy it because I enjoyed myself. Fun. And it was beautiful. Okay. Newsboy Legion and the Boy Commando special from DC. It's 48 pages for $4.99. Though it might not mean much coming from an atheist, God bless Howard Chaikin and his unmatched knowledge of the European perspective and culture during World War II. How? <laughs> I admit, I have zero connection to Jack Kirby's Boy Commandos, but I do know the Newsboy Legion. And Flippa Dippa was noticeably missing here. I don't know if Flippa Dippa was in the original Newsboy Legion. He may have been added later. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, he was my favorite part, so... While I appreciate Chaikin's art and storytelling abilities, this ode to Kirby's two creations got lost in a mess of a story. I can't stress, again, how much I respect Howard Chaikin, but this story felt more like his distinct historical fiction than a Jack Kirby homage. You know what I mean? I It did nothing for me. Because it, to say that this was an homage to Kirby, it was just, what if Howard Chaikin did Kirby? Which is not a bad thing. Well, but that was the other one, too. I that suppose. Yeah. Which and also a guy gave us. No flip a dippa Skim it. Sorry. I mean, this sounds like a leave it to me, because it did nothing for you. No, I mean, it was very pretty to look at, and it was very well written. Star Wars Rogue One, Cassian and K2SO. It's a special. It's a number one. It's from Marvel. It's 40 pages for $4.99. Look, DC gave us eight more pages for $4.99. I know. I know. This special answers the burning question every Star Wars fan has been asking. How did Cassian Andor hook up with the sardonic droid defector K2SO? Dwayne Swierzynski, what happened to that guy? He's been doing Star Wars stuff. Has he? Yeah. And he's really good at it. Great. Dwayne Swierzynski's (laughs) story is brought to life by artist Fernando Blanco, who, I admit, I was confusing with Leonardo Manco, but I quickly realized my mistake. Their names rhyme? (laughs) Blanco, Blanco Manco. 
Uh, but Blanco's gritty style fits right in with the aesthetic of Rogue One. Everything's kind of grimy and gross. Great. Yeah. Story-wise, it's fine, I guess. I even enjoyed it. Uh, but spoilers, there's really nothing to the untold story of Cassian and K2's partnership other than Cassian stole him and reformatted his hard drive. The idea that like he just kind of stole this robot and erased him, and then suddenly he's Alan Tudyk. It's just like, eh, I don't need to know that. It's a droid, dude. I get it, but I don't need to know it. You know I what mean, I'm saying? Anakin built C-3PO to be the... You shut your <laughs> filthy mouth. <laughs> Ultimately, while I enjoyed the Cassian and K2SO special, it wasn't really a story that I felt needed to be told. I'm giving it a skim. I thought it was a fun read. Yeah, but probably a skim. The Shadow, number one from Dynamite. It's 32 pages for $3.99. The Shadow is one of those old pulp characters I've always loved to look at in comics, especially Mike Kaluta's work. But I honestly can't remember the details of a single Shadow story. <laughs> Maybe it's because there would be no Batman without the Shadow, why I revere the character so much. But his stories of gang busting and spy slaying in the 1930s just never grabbed me. Writer Cy Spurrier seems to have found a way to make me care. Needs by, more Alec Baldwin. By bringing the character into modern day. Here, a mysterious burn victim shows up in the ER one night, kicking and screaming. No fingerprints, no dental work on file helps with his ID, but one nurse recognizes his haunting laugh just as his anesthesia is kicking in. Daniel HDR handles the art duties wonderfully that here. Guy again. Showing the shadow ending a school shooting in typical creepy and violent fashion, but... It's Spurrier's script that takes center stage. They, he has some really poignant things to say about school shootings, and I thought it was excellent. There's a great last page, too. Shadow number one gets a buy it. All right. Ghost Money from Lion Forge is 28 pages. It costs $3.99. Writer Terry Smolderin and artist Dominique Bertel, sorry, I know I'm pronouncing this wrong, created Ghost Money in 2008 which was originally published in France. Yeah, I thought this is what Titan did for a living. Uh, that, that's more British. Yeah. This, this is oh, France. Oh, no, they do French. This is all they did Spanish. They did Spanish one. They do a bunch of them. Now, Lion Forge is bringing the near future political thriller to an American audience. I think that it was originally maybe a graphic novel, but it's because it's got kind of an odd, like where they divide the issue. Oh, uh, okay. It's kind of like, whoops, yeah. see you next month. Uh, but. I was immediately drawn into Smolderin's story, which opens with a clandestine team of government interrogators going to deplorable ends to find Al-Qaeda's secret fortune. Flash forward 20 years, and Ghost Money becomes almost an ethereal love story about a woman named Lindsay and her unlikely relationship with a mysterious billionaire named Chamsa. The halves of the story seem almost completely disconnected in content and in tone until you are suddenly reminded about the very real and very ugly mission that started the book and you realize that Lindsay's new friend is probably funded by a vast fortune built on the ashes of 9-11. Well, that's a red flag. It's a real letdown, <laughs> let me tell you. This was completely engrossing. And Bertel's art is phenomenal. I am very impressed by his tight layouts and inventive paneling, like the, the the shapes and sizes of all the different panels, and they're all packed with an extraordinary amount of detail in every page. European creators, man. Yeah. They're so much better Oof. than us. They just are. They do comics better. Yeah. I'm saying it. TV, too. BBC kicks shit out of American TV. <laughs> 
I had no idea what this was going into it. I am really glad I checked out Ghost Money number one. Props to Aaron Myers. He reviewed it this week on his Ludicrous Reviews, and that's what made me check it out. I'll check it out, too. Huge buy it. It was wonderful. Sherlock Holmes, The Great Game, number one from Titan, 48 pages for $4.99. There you go. Titan doing 48 pages for $4.99. They're not giant. Come on. If you're a fan of the Sherlock Holmes BBC show starring Benedict Cumberbatch, but... It's also a reprint of a manga in black and white. I know, but you wish the show was actually a monthly manga, then I have got the comic for you. This issue adapts the story of Sherlock meeting his nemesis Moriarty, but in manga form. Really weird, I know, but it also works. Keep in mind, this is a direct adaptation. So, if you've seen the show, there are no surprises. The issue comes off as some kind of experiment to see if comic adaptations are still viable. And like I said, it works. But I have to wonder if anyone cares. First of all, it was already a graphic novel. Now they're doing it in monthly comics. And it is a direct adaptation. The issue was perfectly executed and adapted. I just don't care about direct comic adaptations of anything. I'm conflicted here because the manga aspect is clever. But again, it's just an adaptation of the show. Does anybody care about these, like... TV to or movie to comic adaptations anymore like I just don't I don't see it if I'm wrong tell me but I'm giving this a skim it clang clong that is your ludicrous speed round and clang clong is the sound of Azrael and Ascalon playing a crappy game of catch with a giant bell as seen in this week's pages of Detective Comics 962. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Will Rodriguez. You can find him at MorgsmanWill on Twitter. And if you can stop playing with your ding-dong, you can submit an onomatopoeia of the week to us. Hit us up on our Facebook, our Twitter, or just send us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Just like William did. If there's one thing Matt loves in a THN script, it's a theme. Damn, so, Skippy. So to stay on topic, we've invited the Atomic Skull to join us in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Matt and I will be subjecting ourselves to levels of radiation that would be lethal to lesser men. It's true. Lucky for us, the ancient curse that bonded us into one body also makes us impervious to radiation. That's right. Uh, that's sort of like Cyclops and Havoc not being able to affect each other with their own powers. Yeah, it's yeah. Something that doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> Yes, he's technically a bad guy, but little known fact, the Atomic Skull is also one hell of a craft cocktail maker. And I'll be damned if this isn't the best cucumber and basil smash I have ever had. This guy's shake technique is unmatched. I'll tell you what. Matt, let's tip our drinks to our bartender and uh, talk about what we're excited to read next week, shall we? Next week. I'm excited for Future Quest Presents, number one from DC. is written by Jeff Parker with art by Ariel Olivetti. 32 pages. Well, some of the art will be by Ariel Olivetti. <laughs> yeah, for three. Zinga! <laughs> hey, easy. After the thrilling events of Future Quest, a new age of adventure begins. First up, Space Ghost and his young wards, Jan and Jace, team up with the Herculoids to rebuild the mighty Space Force. Will they rise again to become defenders of the galaxy, or is there something lurking in the shadows ready to stop them for good? Oh, no! Future Force Pardon me. Future Quest was so good. And Jeff Parker was born to write these characters. I know. I loved the way that he wove Space Ghost and the Herculoids into it. And I want more. And this is going to be great. And Ariel Olivetti drew the original Space Ghost. And it was awesome. Miniseries from like 10, 12 years ago. It was awesome. Uh, and yes, yeah, so apologies. He's a much more talented artist. Alex than Ross I wrote that. Right? Ever be. No, Andy Diggle. No, that was Adam Strange. Yeah. I know Alex Ross did the covers. Joe Kelly. Oh, that's right. 
Alex Ross uh, penciled it and Ariel Levetti drew it too. Yeah, I think he did like yeah. the layouts. Yep. For there you go. Joey Patrick, what is your pick for next week? I can't help myself. My pick for next week is Dark Knight's Metal, number one from DC Comics, written by Scott Snyder with art by Greg Capullo. You want to talk about some egregious bullshit. It's 32 pages for $4.99. Yeah. Now, either that's a I typo. Maybe that was a typo. Or they're charging extra because of the metallic covers. I'll bet there's, oh, maybe. I don't know, because Scott Snyder came out and said, oh, I'm so proud of DC. Put out a standard version for all regular price then. Yeah, that's dumb. Hopefully that's a typo. Here's your solicit. The superstar Batman team. Why? Of writer Scott <laughs> Snyder and artist Greg Capullo reunite for a massive universe-spanning event. Dark Days, The Forge! And the casting hinted at dark corners of reality that have never been seen until now. Now, as Dark Knight's Metal begins, the Dark Multiverse is revealed in all of its devastating danger, and the threats it contains are coming for the DC Universe. Dark Knight's Metal <laughs> is an event unlike any other one that will push Batman, Superman, and the heroes of the Justice League beyond their limits to take on threats. Unlike any our world has ever seen, a fire and a fury, just like Donald Trump yes. will visit upon North Korea. A quote he lifted from the world of Warcraft, by the way. <laughs> I saw that headline on Bleeding Cold. And I'm yeah. like, shut up, Rich Johnston. He did not get that from World of Warcraft. <laughs> Steve uh, Bannon did and told him to say it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Look. They've got their hooks in me. Yeah. I admit it. Me too. It's a failing on my part. It's going to be I, awesome. I hope it's awesome. I will not be surprised if it's not awesome because that's how these events go. Yeah. But I want it to be awesome. And we finally saw what the big bulky like bat thing was. And yeah. The totally evil, like a doomsday. The Batman. evil Batman are just fucking they're cool. Mean. Yeah. They're mean looking. I'm I'm into it, man. The THN trade elite goes to shit. My president said the hardcover from IDW. It's by Shannon Wheeler. 120 pages. For fourteen ninety nine. Hey, that's more like it. A hardcover, All even right. Here's your solicit. Some people are saying, I don't know. You tell me. But uh, a lot of people are saying this is the greatest book of the year. This guy, Shannon Wheeler, draws these cartoons for the New Yorker, Mad, The uh, Onion. He's very, he's very good. Okay. Now he's illustrated the most incredible tweets. Wow. You won't believe what he does with these tweets. I mean, these tweets change the world, folks. It's true. It's very true. Everyone is going to want this book, even the haters and the losers. Sad. <laughs> it was more Christopher Walken than yeah, Donald Trump. It kind of was. Yeah, I don't know. I don't do a good Trump, but I admit it. <laughs> Shannon Wheeler's shit, my president says, is it's amazing. It's great. It's exactly what it sounds yeah, like. It, he takes literal, real-life tweets that the president of the United States of America yeah. has posted on the internet, yeah. and he illustrates them, and they are hilarious. The idiot that 33% of this country still thinks is doing a good job. Jesus. I don't get that. I don't. I don't get it. So there's our picks for next week, but we want to know what you nerds are excited for. Hit us up on any of our social media platforms and tell us what you think we should be reading and reviewing. Joey, I don't know how he gets these ice cubes to glow like that, but I love it. I don't think you want to know. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's radiation. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, this party sucks. I know. 
and say we invite the whole damn internet to come and join in the fun one last time before Trump and Kim Jong-un start measuring the size of their big red buttons. Sounds gross. Because they can't find their tiny little dicks. Whoa. Sorry. It's time for our cover-to-cover segment where you nerds take control of the show. It's as easy as calling us at 402-819-4894 every Saturday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can talk about anything in the news, completely derail the show altogether, or answer the question of the week. Speaking of which, Matt, what was the question this week? This question comes from the king of the forums, Brian Domingos. He asks, what is the secret origin of your wang? I'm sorry, thing. Like, Toots loves Conan and Anthony loves the Legion. What is the story of how you fell in love with the thing that you love the most? So not necessarily how did you get into comics, but right. like... Just you love nerdy thing. Conan more beyond all reason. Yeah. How did you get into Conan specifically? Right. What was it about Captain Planet and the Planeteers that maybe just did it for you? Yeah. You know? So there you have it, nerds. You've heard the news and you've got your question. Matt! Open the phone lines! Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Zach Hollowell. Zach Hollowell. Oh, boy. You're our very first one. Joe, talk to Zach for a second while I start our Facebook feed. Okay. Hi, Zach. Uh, Hi. How's your pinball machine going? Uh, It's good. It's good. I got the team holding on last night. Very cool. It'll get buttons today and probably legs. So, yeah. Um, Refresh me on the question. Uh, So, this week's question was, what's the origin of your thing? Your thing. And you know damn well what it was (laughs) because you already warned me. I just wanted to make sure. Tell me when you're ready. Uh, We're ready. We're rolling. It's all happening. We now join THN cover to cover, now in progress. You have to say that in the mic. Okay, okay, good, good. good. It's all right. They heard me. (laughs) Hi, Zach. Okay, so I'm going to try. I'm going to try not to get emotional during this. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take you back to 1980. Oh boy. I was a little five-year-old kid. Two two brothers, younger, older, and uh, my grandfather comes over one day, and he's like. Hey, they got these new video games at this grocery store. You guys want to go play them? And we're like, yeah. So we get in this car, and my dad comes along. We go to this grocery store, and there's like 10 arcade games. And I had never really seen an arcade game before. It's like, whoa, this is awesome. So my grandfather gives us a bunch of quarters. I clearly remember this like it was yesterday. I was playing Phoenix. My dad was standing over my shoulder. I remember Phoenix. My grandfather comes over and says, a guy could make a lot of, or my dad says, a guy could make a lot of money with these things. My grandfather says, I'm so happy you said that. I own all these. Whoa. So my grandfather started a business where it was in Arkansas, all the small towns. He opened arcades in all of them. Oh my God. So my Saturday morning was going to his house, getting in his truck, going to Shoney's for breakfast, <laughs> picking up an icy, a slush puppy. And then going to all these arcades and getting the money out of machines and, you know, splitting with whoever was running the place. And I got to play games the whole time. That is awesome. Then, <laughs> yeah, it gets better. He kept more games than he had room for. So I had eight arcade games and three pinball machines in my garage. Whoa. We weren't rich, but that's the thing we had. You were like, right? Ron. This is, I don't know. This seems like, <laughs> this seems sort of like a Ricky Schroeder and Silver Spoons situation. <laughs> yeah, oh, no Ricky doubt. Ricky Schroeder only had two or three games. It's true. I had more. And Ricky's games sucked. So, like, my attachment to art, specifically arcade games and pinball machines, I love them. 
but really it gives me the feeling of hanging out with my grandfather and oh. being like his buddy and going around with him all week. Oh, man. So that's the origin of why I like video games. The and secret origin so of Zach Hollowell's thing. There it is. It was, it, and it was actually sweet. It was, you it know, was very sweet. I saw him, I saw him at work this week. He told me it was actually going to be a sincere call. I just wanted him to say something about a penis at least one time. <laughs> that was so uh, sweet. Uh, I, and my grandpa sucks compared to yours. God. Oh, you know, I, I think a lot of people say this, but I legitimately believe both of my grandfathers were two of the best dudes who ever walked there. Oh, Hands that's down. pretty cool. Big heart on this one. Zach Hollowell. Thank you for yeah, the right? call, sweetie. That was hey, that's a great Making story, a Zach. <laughs> right. Have a good one, buddy. We got a call coming in. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Hey, it's D. What up, D? Hey. You sound so th- happy today. You're like, hey, it's D. <laughs> well, it's, it's noon. It's noon o'clock here, and I've had maybe two beers so far. All right. Hey, it's the weekend. Got to be Saturday somewhere, right, D? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There you go. Forget five o'clock. It's Saturday. <laughs> what do you want to rap about, brother? Uh, first, I want to tell you guys and your listeners that the F, uh, Facebook THN fan page has a book club going on. We're going to read yeah. Seed of Destruction. Oh, I love it. Yep. I tweeted about it uh, the other day, yesterday or, fr- or Thursday. I don't even know what day are we in. It's Saturday. It is Saturday. Uh, yeah. So Thursday it's or Friday, I, I tweeted out the, the link to the fan page. Uh, join the group. Nice. Sign up for the book club. These guys like took it upon themselves. They just, I love it. We like two grown men with like four, only four people could not get a book club going on. Patreon. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and we D, quietly canceled that one. And like, D made it happen in like a half hour <laughs> on Facebook. I'm, good at what I do, man. I'm really good at what I do. I he love brings it. people together. I love it. Seed of Destruction, the beginning of Hellboy. For all those you listen to Joe and I rap about how much we love Hellboy so much, this is where it starts. Get on board. That's what prompted me to do it because I haven't read Hellboy. I haven't read oh, any Hellboy. Oh, man. You are crawling down a really dark and spooky <sighs> rabbit hole, brother. You've taken your first steps into a larger world. Yeah. <laughs> I hope my cherry bean pop isn't very painful. Woo. Nah. No, it won't be painful. It'll just be really it's gonna, spooky. It's going to hurt so good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but I actually didn't want to answer your question of the week this week. Nice. Let's do it. Let's do it. What do you got for us? It's, it's Batman. And it started out my love for Batman and the Orca. I want to say Orca. I love your call. Your little post letter. Amazing this week. It's gorgeous. It was great. But uh, it, it made me think of so much different things I haven't thought of before. Like I loved it. Um, it's Batman because I used to watch the Spider-Man animated show. And I loved Spider-Man at first. And then I started watching the, the Batman episodes, but only the ones with Robin at first. And the ones with Robin were awesome. But then I realized, like, I really don't care for Robin that much. I actually really love hanging out with Batman. And that's what got me into Batman as much as I do. Like, everything I think of when it comes to Robin or Huntress or Batgirl or Batwoman, it always goes back to Batman because I just love Batman and how he thinks. How he's so pragmatic about everything, his, uh, his damaged childhood, his damaged life, that's now just everything that Batman is pretty damn cool in my eyes, and I love going back to it. Right on. Yeah, we've all seen your full-size chest tattoo, <laughs> your, your Batman <laughs> symbol tattoo. 
So yeah, I got, I got you're a bat nerd. To the core. Fair enough. Thank you for the secret origin of your favorite thing. That was great. And thank you for the book club. You can find the THN fan page on Facebook. Yeah. um, I mean, you'll just have to search for two at a nerd and you'll come up with exactly two results. The the main page and the fan page. There you go. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, just just hit them up. It's grown, I think, um, a huge surge in members this week, which is great. Whoa. Um, It's up to like 35 people. That's great. Yeah. Like them both. I mean, like us while you're there too, please. Yeah. I mean, honestly, (laughs) yes. So you guys have like a couple of weeks to read the book. We're going to talk about September 1st in the group. Unless you guys want to talk about it on cover to cover. It is your call. Totally. No, I mean, we're, we're going to have to think about how to best get that done. Cause I feel like it'll be a kind of a longer discussion. Yeah. And totally. the logistics of recording everything with everybody in different places. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to cut so, stuff out. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll have to, uh, um, the fan page. We don't work with that crap. No, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, we'll think, we'll think about, we'll think if we can figure out a good way to, to get it recorded. Right. We'll absolutely do it. All, All right, right, D. Nope. Thanks for calling in, brother. We will talk to you soon. Excuse me, guys. Bye, buddy. Uh, Zach Hollowell uh, says, I haven't seen D's t- t- tattoo. Uh, let's see some nips on THN. Woo! Uh, <laughs> if you can find it, Zach, on the forums, there it was a thread about nerdy tattoos. Yeah. Oh, it was a, it was a question of the week. Yes. Uh, and they posted their tattoos. It was glorious. It was awesome. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller who dis? Hey, it's Brian Domingos. Brian Domingos. I should have known. Calling us from the 508. How are you, brother? What's going on, guys? Well, you know, we were just wondering what the king of the uh, THN forums was up to, and here he is. Well, you know what? There was a really good question of the week this week. There was. <laughs> there was. Um, and, and um, you know, that I posed it because all I wanted to do was answer that question. That's why. Well, sure. Um, Let's get into it. Because cause my thing is um, Wildstorm Comics. Okay. Um, like 150,000%. Um, I've been reading the, um, the oral history of the Wildstorm universe. It was a Kickstarter book. Right. Oh yeah. It is. I don't know, Matt, I know, I know you're into that stuff. Um, it is, it pushes, it goes like, like the origins of like Wildstorm rising, like all that stuff. They talk about like Ron Mars is talking about it. Like it's totally worth it. It's pretty amazing. Nice. Now, Um, Brian, is that, I've been seeing a story uh, floating around lately about a Wildstorm history book getting delayed. Is that the same book? But no, th- but this, just that. I just yeah, figured so it, that, I just figured it would have come to Kickstarter backers early, and then the the release version might have been delayed. But I didn't know if it was two different books. No, this is one of those rare Kickstarter books that actually gets printed and delivered to the backers in time. So, oh, nice. um, you know, you know, unlike, you know, black, which I'm still waiting on a year later, but yeah. everyone can buy the issues in the store. I've got all um, my digital copies though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not downloading them. Screw them. I want my, my uh, trade paperback, but right, all right, um, right no, the one that's two months del- that's going to be out in October now is like the 25th anniversary one okay. that DC is putting out. So um, that's, that's the gonna official ha- one. Okay. Yeah, that's that's like a, an actual, you know, from you know a, a publisher book. It's right. like it, it, but right. it's going to have like the authority, the new authority story, and a new backlash story. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about <laughs> Deathblow, but there's a new Deathblow story by I Jim love Lee. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um yeah so I got into that stuff um because I was you know like most people a huge Jim Lee um, fan. 
on X-Men, um, just obsessed with like the X-Men card set he did that, and you know, the hundred oh, yeah. and whatever cards oh, yeah. he did. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I got him on vacation. I wasn't a comic reader. I didn't know them, but you know, my dad made the mistake of bringing us into one while my stepmother was shopping and into a little comic shop in Cocoa village, Florida. And was like, Oh, you guys want something? And we each, me and my brother and sister each got a pack and we were like addicted. We spent the next <laughs> week going to every Seven Eleven in Cocoa beach, wandering around the, the, uh, you know, looking at phone books of where seven elevens were so we could go buy, uh, more, more cards. Nice. Um, to- <laughs> totally obsessed. Um, so then I got to the, the X-Men comics and then, um, you know, wildcats, which I didn't really, I, I got a wildcats number four. That was my first one. I didn't really know really what it was, but, um, it was Jim Lee and it was kind of cool. And it had Warblade on the cover. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so Stormwatch came out and I just remember staring, like, I feel like I looked at it for eight months on the stands, but it just sat there and there was no Stormwatch number two. There was just Stormwatch one. And I didn't know what it was, but every time I'd go in there, I'd look at it and look at it and look at it. And so I just bought it one day and then I was like, okay, I love Stormwatch now. And then, you know, uh, Deathblow number five, I remember that was the first monthly book they did with Tim Sale. Yeah. Um, like that was like my birthday week, I think. 1994. Like I literally remember where I was when I read it. Cause it was like, <laughs> you know, it was basically sin, sin city for kids almost. Right. Um, <laughs> if you remember, he, they were doing that, that, uh, Frank Miller thing. Sin city um, for kids. It was pretty silly, but, um, yeah, I, anything that was wildstorm, I bought it and loved it all. And so I, that's like the thing I'm best at in the, in the universe is, uh, trivia and, um, wildstorm knowledge. Wow. So, Wow. So I was ahead of the, I was ahead of the pack on like Warren Ellis on Stormwatch and um, all that stuff. So, I love it. You're um, never going to win any game shows with that. I got bad. Yeah, never. You know, Literally I, never. Like when people are like, what are your abilities? <laughs> like when, when there's a nuclear war with North Korea, I have no skills. Right. I don't know. Unless, you know, unless that there's some bartering thing of, of you know, backlash. Trivia, we'll just, I can we'll tell just you. walk into the shockwave together. Don't worry. We'll just, there'll be a bright <laughs> flash of light, Brian. We'll join hands and we'll walk into the shockwave. I'm with you. It'll be, it'll be hauntingly yeah, beautiful. I, yeah. Like Grave of yeah, the Firefly well, is beautiful. It's going to be awesome. Pretty much. Yeah. No, unless, you know, oh, that's the JJ Kirby. Okay. I'll take that, that generator. Yeah. That's, that's all I know. Um, so, um, yeah. And so I'm still looking for anything, uh, wild storm as it comes out and I'm excited about the hardcover and, um, yeah. And if you guys can find, get your hands on that, um, auto, you know, like the, the, the oral history, it's really, it's really elaborate. They talk about what the studio was like, cool. um, and it, it's, it's crazy. It's pretty awesome. And it's like all people you remember, like back in the day, um, Man, you know, and they I want to read that so like, bad. In, Phil Hester actually just had a quote on, like said something on Twitter this week where he said, not only do I have, do I not have enough time to read all the great comics that are coming out? I don't have enough time to read all the great books about all the great comics that are coming out. <laughs> and it's totally it's true. true. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't remember when this came out, but I've been sitting on it for like at least six months and I just started it like last week. Um, I and it's, that you know, it, it's like when you see how old they were, like, it's they're, ridiculous. They were they're kids. Talking, you know, they're yeah. like, they were kids. They were ni- 18, 19, like the, the second group that came in, like, you know, I mean, it was, I can't think of this, like, um, Ella Garza and, uh, yeah. you know, all these, all these, you know, the next, next wave of artists. And by that point, like J Scott Campbell was like a, a you know, a quote unquote adult at like 25 and he'd moved <laughs> out of the studio. Like it's ridiculous, but, um, but it tells you, it really shows you that it was like a real business. And Bill Kaplan was the editor that they brought in and he basically headhunted DC and that's how they got yeah. Steve Siegel and Ron Mars and, and James Robinson and real writers. Um, yeah. 
yeah, it's, it's one of those things like, oh, you don't notice because, you know, you're 13 and who cares? But it's like, oh, somebody actually managed this and did a good job. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's totally scratching that itch that I meet pretty much me and only me half. But, well, and I think Wildstorm um, really was the first one, like the breakout where all those artists left and started Image and they were just artists and the stories were bad. They were just bad. And Wildstorm was the first one to go, why don't we bring in some real writers? You know, including Alan Moore and James Robinson. And uh, I mean, man. All right. Look, you're never going to shut this conversation right, right, yeah, down, we but stop. we got like right. a thousand voicemails. All right, yeah, I know, I know. I, I'm hanging up on I'll you. Call into the, no, Brian, call into we love you. Okay. I got to I got to get that book. Thanks. You, thanks for pointing it out. I didn't even know it had come out. Yeah, uh, I was going to. I love I, know, I love oral history books. I, I love too. them. I do, too. <laughs> Brian, really thanks well for your done. call, okay. brother. Thanks, guys. Later. See ya. Yeah, you would have you would have spent an yeah, hour yeah, talking yeah. to him about, about Wildstorm. I digress. All right, the ringer's back on. We're done talking about Wildstorm. Nobody cares about Brian and I. <laughs> I mean, I like Wildstorm. I get it. I know this guy. Calling from the Marvel Lake House. Mr. Jeffrey gotta catch them all. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, how and what do we want to rap about today? Well, actually, you know, I'm not calling from the lake house per se, but I got a bit of a rant about Marvel that I want to get off my chest. Let's get into it. All right. Well, I just, you know, there's been a lot of talk about what's wrong with Marvel. Sure. And I think the big issue and one of the biggest things that's wrong with Marvel, to be perfectly honest, are the fans. Okay. I think that, uh, I think the same can be said about a lot of different things. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. But But Marvel specifically, Marvel specifically is, okay, so one of the big things that I've always heard the fans say uh, is Marvel never changes anything. Right. You know, nothing ever changes. Except for when it does, that's all they bitch about. Yes, Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. And and this, this, you know, vocal minority of fans, I call them the make Marvel great again group. (laughs) I mean, it's like, they're never going to be happy until Spider-Man is Archie with web shooters pining over Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane again, like Betty and Veronica. And all the female characters are back in swimsuits and high heels in the back row of the Avengers. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree at all. And there, there's a couple guys that you can follow on Twitter, and they're really good about this. One of them is Dan Slott. And Dan Slott mm-hmm. constantly puts up, retweets people that hate his Spider-Man. And he's not doing it in like a way where he's like, oh, everybody pile on this dude. But like, they're just like, you ruined Spider-Man and da, 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 and what the hell? And he will throw the tweet up and just be like, well, I'm glad you read the issue. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. it's out because you can't please everybody. For know, okay, every I'll- time that he does something that one fan loves, <laughs> uh, there's going to be another fan that hates it. And okay. it's just a matter who can well, scream. I, I need to stop you right there because he is absolutely doing that so that his fans will pile on that guy. Well, sure. I don't mean, I mean, to an extent, well, yeah. but I'm not, he's not like, he could just reply. He could just yeah. reply to the person he and could. not retweet them so that his legion of well, followers no, but I can like go attack getting, I like getting out in front of it like that. Like just whatever, but, throw it out there. Yeah. You know? Like, but that's the thing though. Is, and that's one of the things. And is that I think, you know, so my argument that it's the fans and, you know, and they just don't know what they want and they're unhappy either way. And everyone points to, well, you know, their sales numbers and the stories aren't great. And it's like, well, I think the sales numbers are somewhat reflected because of the discourse. So many people have decided to bag on Marvel that it's almost, you know, I'm almost afraid to say I like anything. Right. 
has like Marvel the, because it's like, well, yeah, but but you know, but the Inhumans, you know, are just trying to replace the X Men. Yeah, no, the Inhumans are just an interesting story, and X Men aren't interesting anymore. There, okay, there is an argument you know? there as well. I mean, I and I'm guilty of saying they've been trying to replace the X Men with the Inhumans. But again, to that point, Jeff, is that people don't think the X Men are interesting anymore because there is a very um a seemingly obvious effort by Marvel to downplay the X-Men. Yes. Or there was. There was. Not uh, so until much recently, anymore. yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah. so well, like I mean, there are two sides to to everything and sure. I agree that the discourse right. is toxic. Yeah. Um yes. but yeah, you should never feel ashamed to like what you like. You should see yeah. some of the shit Matt reads. Oh god. Uh I just <laughs> made fun of I made fun of Aaron Myers for reading um Something Doll Squad, Sexy Doll Squad number zero from Actually, it, It's not called Sexy Doll Squad, but it's something something Doll Squad, Booby Doll Squad. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know that he, I know that he read it just to have something interesting to talk about on right. the show, on on his in his in his. He column. is a pervert though. Don't, he don't def- kid Like he's got a long box full of porno comics that he's oh yeah purchased for investment purposes. Yeah, don't let him fool you. Well, That's his Aaron Myers well, After quick, Dark Instagram. Real quick before I go. <laughs> Real quick before I go, I just wanted to say, uh, first of all, I'm going to be taking a break from Marvel for a while because I was reading on the Unlimited app and my tablet died yesterday. Oh, so. you've been kicked out of the lake then, house. <laughs> you locked yourself yeah. out of the lake house. It's just closed for renovation. Yeah, okay, okay. The other, the other thing I wanted to say is I want to put a shout out to D Murray for starting the Facebook group. Yeah, uh, the fan page. Two at a Nerf fan Facebook page. And we're getting the book club up and running. That's so. what he just told we, us. Yeah, we talked to D a few minutes ago and we... Uh, we're sending people your way. Hopefully, it's a huge success. Yeah, we're he gonna wa- watch from a distance. Yeah. he wants to. You don't have to distance yourself. Yeah, Stop telling people you're watching. For it's not for us. It's for them. They've welcomed us in, man. We're get in. It. I'm in it. I'm, I'm in not the group. Be a fan of my own thing. <laughs> you gotta like your own thing, man. Nah, I hate everything. Like, I have do. a little bit of self confidence. Show. I hate the food I make. Um, <laughs> I hate that dog. Yeah, I like my dog. Like D, D really wants to somehow put it on the show. I don't know how we're gonna put an hour long show with thirty people you guys on have the to show. Start your own. You'll have to start your own. <laughs> Sorry. We'll figure something hey, out. Okay. But, Get hey, to, we could be a bonus episode for Patreon. There Bing, you go. Bingo. There you go. Um, you know, like if you can wrangle all those cats to get like audacity or something to sure. record their own audio. Uh, but yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, but you guys definitely, are in charge. I'm not least, editing that crap. No whether we, way. <laughs> whether we record it or not, go to Facebook, get on the fan page, join the book club. It's going to be great. Yeah, we're reading Hellboy's Seed of Destruction. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, anybody oh, wants so to so revisit the, the origins of Hellboy, well... You know, have it done by September 1st. There you, there go. you go. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate the call as always. Well, thank you, guys. Have a good one, brother. And I'll talk to you later. All right. All bye-bye. Right. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Morning, nerds. It's Shonix. What up, Shonix? How are you? I should recognize your phone number by now. Oh, well, well, stalker. Awesome. <laughs> what do you want to rap about today, brother? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I ever had a thing. You have a you know, thing? in the... You have in the thing. comic shop, but I don't know. Well, in the I... comic shop, you know, I was like the X Men guy. That's what I was gonna say. Like You're out... the X Men guy, right? But out, but out in the world, I'm like the comic guy. You know what I mean? Sure. But I gotta say, like the origin of the X Men guy. You're also I mean, a Star really... Wars guy, Sean. Well, there's that too, but you know, <laughs> that's just like that's. I mean, what can I say? Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, because I, you know, I'm a Star Wars guy because I enjoyed the prequels. But we'll move on. From that. 
Good Lord, man. Good Lord. We'll totally move on. We'll totally move on. But I, my true origins was, I got to say, 19, like, I was getting comics, but, you know, it was Batman, the movie Batman. Like, that really got me, like, yeah. reading comics. And then that, if I hadn't read Batman like I was and the movie was there to keep me interested, I would never really moved on to x-men and then that really that's the snowball right okay, so, there so you came to x-men via batman, batman yeah batman, because batman i got him into comics and i was just the opposite. Like batman got me the like exact opposite i came to batman via the x-men like x-men got me first and then the, when that batman movie came out i was like i need to read some batman comics this is pretty cool well, <laughs> but that was the crazy thing because i'm walking into comic shops and i'm seeing posters for x-men inferno and i'm like Hey, what the hell is that? Oh yeah. So that's, you know, that's what did it. And then I fell in love and then it just was going into bat into you know, long boxes and grabbing stacks and saying, I would need all these, <laughs> you know, and reading all the backlog. I mean, I was doing that. So I guess, you know, that's, it's weird how that happened, but I, I mean, I, it's, I it's similar for all of us nerds. So something like there was a trigger. Oh, sorry. Hold on. We're not done with you yet. It, there's a trigger that set us off and boom, we were on to our thing. I, I think I picked up X-Men comics because they were at my local pharmacy and quick shop. And I was just like, man, that cover is cool as hell. And it was like, had Wolverine sure. on it, and he was doing something awesome. And I, that was it. I was like, this is all I need. I'm just reading X-Men comics. And Saturday was my yeah. day to read my X-Men comics, you know? <laughs> and then yeah, I just, I stumbled I into just Batman from in. there. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was reading Batman and Detective, and Detective was my favorite. And then it was just like that's when I kind of branched out of DC, and it was really it was a bizarre time. My early real collecting and reading comics days (laughs) was really it was DC centric. It was weird. Huh. I was Marvel centric, and then then went the other way. Yeah. Well, no, the X Men came along, and boom, and I was like, "What is DC doing? No, I'm done with you guys. What's going on, guys? This is cool. <laughs> I was like, awesome. they got like buildings eating people, and look, in this Daredevil issue, this vacuum cleaner oh. is attacking Daredevil. Yeah, I'm the like, Daredevil Inferno crossover was so awesome. Oh my god, I yeah, loved so, it. I mean, it was just like that, I'm like, yep, X-Men are the, that was my Marvel Universe for a long, long time, so. See, yeah. I told you that was your thing. I told you. Well, yeah, but no, it's just weird how I got to it. The origin of it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, we all, but, we were all weird kids at one time, Sean. I mean, what can yep. you do? I've yep. been reading, wait, I've been reading Deathstroke. Yeah. The, and the, we're, you guys were talking about Backlash. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm predicting that Deathstroke's son is going to start, like, making these psychic whips. <laughs> Because that kid that is the, looking like yeah, he's in the backlash. Look like he look like backlash. He's I'm, straight up. Every time I read, white I'm hair, enjoying that book mask, right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's got the blonde curls, so it, it still works. Totally, it's yeah. He looks exactly like backlash. You are not wrong. <laughs> That's nerd bet. There we go, guys. All nerd right, <laughs> I'll take that action. I love it, Sean. Thank you for your call and your secret origin. That was so sweet. Again. All right, man. Hey, guys, you have a good day. You, you too, too buddy. Talk to you later. Yeah. See ya. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Backlash. Are you, you're talking about Jericho, right? He's Jericho. I don't think he's Jericho. He's Jericho. Oh, yes. is that Jericho dressed like that? Yes, that's it. that's Jericho. Oh, that son. is. That is. You're right. Yeah, yeah. in the new team. Yeah. But yeah, he's wearing that white outfit. It totally looks like him. Yeah. All right, let's see what Anthony's got for us. 
What's up, guys? So, Tales of the Legion of Superheroes, number 339. Nerd. Um, I know for a fact I picked <laughs> up this comic book solely because it had the most superheroes on the cover. <laughs> That's why. But I read it and fell head over heels in love with the Legion of Superheroes. And here's why. This particular issue was a tryout issue where heroes from across the galaxy were auditioning to become part of the super team called the Legion of Superheroes. I love tryout and issues. And that idea fascinated me. Like, typically in a team book, superhero shows up, saves the day, and the team is like, hey, join. And they're like, okay. I'd never seen tryouts before. I love that idea because it psychologically it makes sense. Like as a kid, like I wanted to be part of something and, and to become a legionnaire it didn't matter how cool you were, who your friends were, how popular yeah, you, you were. Totally it was lame. based on merit. <laughs> and if you tried hard enough, you could become a member. Uh, case in point, Polar Boy in this issue shows up, ruins a kid's audition, Dick, but tells him <laughs> like, look, I auditioned for you ages ago. I had no control of my powers. I busted my ass. I deserve a spot. And he wins one, right? There's another great moment where Lightning Lad, Cosmic Boy, and Saturn Girl are retiring. They're they're teenagers and they're superheroes and they're retiring. Like retiring superheroes well, never not, occurred to me. They're not teenagers at that point. Who retired out of disgrace, but the idea that like I want to break never occurred to me. I also found that fascinating. Um, but keep in mind, like I didn't know who any of these people were, but because Paul Levitz wrote this comic with just so much love and uh, so much skill, like in a very short time, you got to know who these individuals were. And even though it's a massive uh, uh, membership, they are individuals. And Steve Lytle was just was drawing the shit out of this comic. Like everything was beautiful to look at. So by the end of this issue, I was hooked. I was introduced to 30 new superheroes, uh, a wonderful new environment and a mystery. Like who is Sensor Girl? So there it is. Legion of Superheroes. Who is Sensor Girl? Bye. You two need to get a room. You want to talk? <laughs> you want to have a conversation about Sensor Girl? You track down our buddy Gary Beck. I do not want to have a conversation about Sensor Girl. Uh, <laughs> okay, so who the hell is Sensor Girl? I don't know. Uh, okay, so I'm not a Legion nerd like you. Thirty-year-old spoilers. Sensor Girl is <laughs> secretly Princess Projectra. What? Who was a, a one of the earlier earliest members of the Legion of Superheroes? Sensor Girl has two dumb names. Uh, Projectra. I like how you just brush that right off. <laughs> Projectra was um, Projectra was uh, the queen of this this planet at this point. She was Queen Projectra, um, and she was married to Karate Kid from the Legion. This sounds so. Oh, dumb. shut up! You know who Karate Kid is. I'm not saying I don't. It's just like we're adults having this conversation. Well, many <laughs> issues prior, Karate Princess Projectra was married to the Karate Kid shut at up. the time, as I recall. Uh, Karate Kid dies. Like he dies very badly. Like like head ripped off. Like he gets killed in battle. Oh, okay. And and. <laughs> That's my definition of dying really yeah, badly. Head ripped you, off. You got your head ripped off. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this this female character, head to toe covered with this mask and everything, Sensor Girl shows up. She's got a she's got weird powers, right? Uh, and everybody thought at the time it's like, oh shit, because I think this was like this was just after the crisis, maybe. All right. Uh, don't look at me, friends. I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't remember if it was post crisis or if it was, uh, uh, but I remember that there was a lot of like rumor that Sensor Girl may have been Supergirl because they were trying to sidestep uh, around the fact that Supergirl had uh, both died and then later gotten written out of existence <laughs> by the crisis. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was Sensor Girl was Projectra and like, and so she was like in her grief, 
had kind of like vanished and she came back. Do you think she was originally supposed character? to be Supergirl and then they were like, no, and changed? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. But yeah, there were a ton of characters that came back. Uh, uh, Many of them joined the Legion and were uh, members still today. Uh, Like Telus, who's this like weird, I don't know. He's like, (laughs) he's like the world's most muscular star uh, seahorse. (laughs) (laughs) You're not making this up? No, he's like, he's the world's most muscular seahorse. He's like, um, He's sort of vaguely seahorse shaped. Um, he's a man. Well, he's not a man. He's an alien. He's okay, a, he's, he's an a, he's yeah, friggin' alien. Yeah, right. and so he comes from this water planet. Gotcha. Uh, or this planet where the it's <laughs> he's amphibious. A ripped up seahorse, and centaur? he's like hugely, mu- yeah, like a seahorse, <laughs> se- a seahorse centaur. <laughs> okay, seahorse centaur. Title of the episode: Ripped up seahorse centaur. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, I love Legion tryout issues, and there's uh, there are characters that kept coming back for tryouts, but never got. All right, I'm cutting never you getting off. Never, if you like cut off my Wildstorm crap, I'm cutting oh, this off. Anthony, bless you. <laughs> I'm playing another message bless you. here. <laughs> All right, who's this? Hey guys, it's John from Joyzy calling from in. Joyzy, check in and say hi. I haven't called in a, in a while. I don't have an answer to the question of the week, but I do have something I'd like to talk about, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on. And that topic is Cyclops. Cyclops, the greatest X Men of all time, the best leader of any X Men team that ever was. Or is this ever Kevin will Coffee? Be, and my favorite it's comic book character ever. Is it secretly I Kevin love Coffee? Cyclops. And I know there's a lot of hate for him out there. People who think he's just a Boy Scout. Well, those people are dicks who probably don't really want comic books and they should shut Did the hell Kevin up. Kevin Coffey put him up um, to it. Cyclops has been dealt a bad hand. Cyclops has been written poorly for a long time. And I'd like to just talk about where it went wrong and what I think it should be done to, what should be done to fix it. A lot of people want to point towards AVX and say that that's where Cyclops fell off the rails. And even though the Avengers were totally pricks during that whole thing and kept screwing up the X-Men actually having a plan to handle the Phoenix Force and turn Earth into a utopia and provoke the X-Men into a war, which somehow the X-Men looked like villains in, that's not where it went wrong. Other people will say Morrison's run is when it went wrong, when he started cheating with uh, Emma Frost on Gene. No, that too was a little weird, but no. It went wrong when he died and became part of Apocalypse and then had to be brought back in some weird limited series by Cable and Jean Grey and then he was infected with Apocalypse's evil. I think that that has been forgotten by everybody who thinks Cyclops is just a dick for being a dick fake. And I also think it was an excuse to just write him really out of character because people got into their heads that he should be the next Magneto. He should not be the next Magneto. God, no. He should be better than Magneto. He should be better than than Xavier because that's what the next generation is supposed to be. They're supposed to be better. Cyclops should be the best parts of Magneto, the best parts of Xavier, and dealing with factions who disagree within the team he's leading. I look forward to hearing your answer. Excelsior. Wow. I I could not agree more. Now, I totally forgot about that apocalypse shit. I mean, I think it's what he said. It, I, I think like, it's oh, man. I think but, it's wishful thinking that any of the writers that came after the search for Cyclops gave a shit about the search for Cyclops. Yeah, um, <laughs> though, I like I appreciate you like no prizing your way into it. though. No, definitely. <laughs> and I, I do think you are you're putting a bandaid on something, you know. Yes. Yeah, Cyclops is 
and this is controversial. People freak the fuck out about this. And I love Cyclops too. He's one of my favorite X-Men. And I have not cared about the character in at least 10 years. At least. Uh, so if we just like do some quick math without even really looking anything up and say that Morrison's X-Men was 10 years ago. It was more than more 10 years now. More than that. It's been more than 10 years. Hold on, we'll yeah. come back to this. We'll put a put a pin in this. We're coming back to it. Thank you for calling Teach and cover to cover. Caller, who this? Chase Magnet. Chase Magnet. Why, hello. How you doing, homie? Chase Magnet was stalking me on the mean streets of Omaha yesterday. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Weird. Accidentally. He was uh, making off-color comments about She-Hulk the other day, too, on Twitter. I was like, Chase, you naughty boy. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on, bro? I'm applying for CBR, guys. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have to get much gnarlier than that. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want to rap about today? Uh, question of the week was your nerd, nerd origin, right? Yes. So I can actually remember mine pretty well. Um, it was back in middle school, and I was playing games at Dragon's Lair. And while getting bored, I started like stumbling through the quarter bin and found an issue called Suicide Squad number six. Oh. That's the middle of their mission to Russia arc. And so I picked this thing up, and on the cover is Deadshot with the Enchantress like in the middle of his sights and uh, yes. on, like, his, uh, yep. his eyepiece. I can see this. And I pick it up and I read it and I have no idea what's going on. Cause it's the middle of this story. I have no idea who any of these characters are, but I absolutely fell in love. So I spent the rest of that night, like digging through the quarter and finding every issue of Suicide Squad I could. And then throughout like the next few months going on eBay and trying to like complete this run and figure out what the story was actually about. You have got to be the first and only nerd I've ever heard say that Suicide Squad was their entry point into comics. I don't know anyone else who I've ever heard that from. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be something. It's something for everybody, of course. Well, and just we always never, say it that every comic is somebody's first. Right. Yours just happened to be Suicide Squad 6. I've just never heard Suicide Squad as like the yeah. entry point. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, people celebrate yeah. people celebrate that run of comics. It was great. Me, Michelle Fifa has built a career. It was so good. Oh, on his God. love of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's what the Suicide Squad should be yeah. as opposed to the Suicide Squad we have today. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and that's the thing is I remember having other exposure to comics. I remember going to see the Spawn movie when I was too young with my dad, and we got an issue of that after, and I was Ooh. like, "This is fine. I don't need this. I'm going to go read a book." Um, <laughs> I remember picking up like uh, an issue of Identity Crisis, probably when I was gaming at Dragon's Lair at some point, and being like, "Well, this is a thing. I'm going to go read a book." Uh, it was Suicide Squad that made me go, "Oh shit, comics are great." See, and you know what it is? It wasn't even Suicide Squad your entry point. It was the quarter bin. That's what got you. The quarter well, bin. Well, yeah, maybe. but how the many what? comics did the he quarter fl- bin. How many comics did he flip through in the quarter oh, yeah. bin before he found that one? I'm just saying, the quarter bin like got me, too. The quarter bin roped in all kinds of kids, because they were a quarter. And you could grab a handful of them and come to your dad and be like, Dad, it's, it's like two bucks worth of comics, and you've got like, bam. I don't know, I can't do the math. You've got 30 of them. It's eight, you know? eight comics. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That's the I magic think, of the quarter bin. I think of a, of a quarter bin, and then also finding like really great comics in a quarter bin. Oh, like, I remember, right. I, I still do that at cons now, where I'll just, I'll just dig through boxes looking for like that one gym. Oh, like yeah. the one where Salad falls in love with like a human girl in Green Lantern Corps. I found that at Heroes last year. That's a great <laughs> issue. Nice. <laughs> uh, quarter bins are for suckers. Ground Zero had 19 cent bins. Oh. Oh, remember that's that? right. I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, except the trade-off was that they put gigantic gold stickers on the front. Yeah. <laughs> the comic was ruined. Like was- postcard size gold stickers. Yeah. It was for reading only. So, Chase, that was a lovely origin story. Thank you for sharing with us.
Yeah, no problem. Have a great Saturday, guys. Hey, All right. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, sorry, I didn't notice you yesterday. I. Uh, oh no, it's it's no problem. I, I just glanced over and I was like, I'm like, no way. Like that's that's not possible. You got snubbed um, by too cool for school, turn, Joe like, Patrick. That's the right haircut, at least. You got <laughs> snubbed. That's what happened. Yeah, you know, I was on my I way know. to work. I was listening just, to my Discworld novel. Good lord, oh. Joe Patrick. I'm I'm not cool enough for podcast royalty. Sorry about that, Chase. You'll get there. Hey, if I saw you, I'd wave. Right. Uh, it's not that, Chase. It's that everybody knows I don't look up when I drive. <laughs> it's just that simple. Okay. <laughs> Chase, thanks for calling, buddy. You have a good one. You too. Bye, bud. Cyclops. Well, let's do this. Let's get into it. Uh, okay, so... This is a thing. This is definitely a thing. I mean, Cyclops has never been my favorite anything. He was one of my favorite team leaders. Sure. And like, it's not that I never... It's not that I ever disliked him. I just... He's, he's okay. He's Cyclops. He's... By definition, Cyclops is sort of a bland dude. Well, yeah, but that was the, he was like the Tom Brady of the X-Men, where like he was born to be a mutant hero. I didn't know that. lead, nobody, and that's all he does. Nobody reading you know? X-Men knew anything about Tom Brady. Oh, no, I'm saying now, looking at <laughs> no, it, like, you know what I mean? Like, you either respect the guy for what he does, because he's an amazing football player, but that's all he is. He's not a flashy dude. He's not doing a lot of funny stuff in interviews. He's just a guy that does his damn job. I thought he had neat powers. I liked his uh, yeah. yellow... Uh, belt strappies and you know what that, that he ran across his I chest think that was a problem we were just talking about he was just a guy that did his job and did it well and made the hard decisions and writers went that's not interesting enough what can we do and they said oh let's make him an asshole well i, I mean and let's make him a complete look, asshole and that that new x-men run where he uh starts having an affair with emma frost that's not the first time that that happened no i remember very distinctly in the executioner song crossover uh in the moments before professor xavier gets shot uh there is a scene where cyclops and psylocke oh yeah are having some sort of crazy flirtation or he's like no no she's not there but he's obsessed with her mm -hmm. he's like picturing her and gene catches him yeah and so there was this all this stuff like where he almost like went off with psylocke he's a dude i mean this is before they were married yeah so what is he's a dude he's surrounded by hot babes what do you want him to do <laughs> come on but yeah i mean i think cyclops has always kind of been a jerk it's just that in the sense he yeah. went from being kind of a jerk to being kind of a terrorist yeah they like <laughs> no they ramped it up into terrorist and murderer which yeah. is just so unlike the character yeah. i liked that he was the hard-nosed we're going to do this no-nonsense BS leader. And when the shit came down, they always knew they could trust Scott. Everybody else had emotional things going on. Scott would turn it off, do the job. And then they amped up this emotional bullshit so much that, yeah, I agree. They tried to make him the new Magneto, which sucks. We don't need a new Magneto. Magneto is the new Magneto. I mean, look, if we, re if we roll back the tape, we will both have evidence that shows us liking those stories with Cy uh, with Cyclops leading that team of revolutionaries. I'm not saying I didn't for a little bit, for a minute, but come on. But I think, they yeah, the, the character, far. they broke him. They yeah. broke the character. And I think like, really, the only thing that can save that character Kill at this point. It's probably killing him. Well, he's dead already. Well. Adult Cyclops is dead. Yeah. Um, but like Secret Invasion 2, here's another ship full of scrolls, and here's out steps Cyclops. Cyclops <laughs> is like, well, guys, I've been, <laughs> I've been in, I've been space in for suspended like animation years. for like, <laughs> what the fuck? You didn't come look for me? <laughs> yeah. They're going to Colossus him. Is right. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> All right. Let's go back to our voicemails here. We have got Mr. Stephen Firo. Nice. 
What is up, two-headed nerd? Steven, welcome aboard Firo here. It is 1 a.m. on a Thursday morning. I'm drunk because why not? Woo! And I knew I had to answer the question of the week this week. And I want to talk about Star Wars. Um, my love for Star Wars uh, has started since I was just a little bitty baby. Um it all really goes back to my parents. My parents' first date was seeing A New Hope in theaters. My father took my mother, and that was their very first date was seeing it in theaters they back in up? the 70s. <laughs> and so I was, he was raised conceived as a Star at Wars Star child. Wars. Um, we had the VHS set of all three films. I remember watching those like crazy. Thank God we had that amazing rewind machine so I could rewind <laughs> yeah, it really fast right. and watch them all the time. Uh, I, I think I pissed off my entire family because all the time I would just rewatch Star Wars over and over and over. Um, and then when uh, Force Awakens came out, we even took my grandmother. We had my grandmother. Um, my mother, father, all of my brothers and sisters, we had three generations of heroes seeing a Force Awakens. So my love for Star Wars runs so deep. It is in our blood. Our whole family are Star Wars nerds. Um, and so that that is my answer, guys. That is how I got into Star Wars. It all started with my parents. That's so cute. And ever since, I've been uh, a huge nerd a huge fan for star wars um i'm hoping my next tattoo sleeve is going to be star wars based we'll see here in a little bit um but that is my answer guys uh i can't wait to hear, hear everyone else's answers have a great week that is so and cute. don't forget to support whoa, whoa. thn on patreon hey see ya. editing whoa <laughs> editing. where did that come from i don't know uh steven welcome aboard uh i was also drunk on thursday night but not drunk enough for Matt Bomb. I was I waiting passed for, out on my couch. I was waiting for him so that we could record the Drunk Nerds Guide to Previews. I had a very long day, and I passed out on my couch. I was tired. I apologize. So I tweeted. I tweeted. I tweeted something about it that night, and Stephen tweeted back, and he's like, "I'm drunk too. I'm going to record something for the show." <laughs> I was like, "Awesome! That's great." <laughs> so the Feroes. Uh, uh, he is a Fero like his father before him. They met at, or they went to Star Wars together. They made a baby. Yep. And a little Star Wars nerd came out. And that Star Wars nerd was Steven. Yeah. That's I where, love it. That's where babies come from. Yeah. They come Star from, Wars. My, they come from, Star- <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. You just learned something, Joe Patrick. Man, I didn't know before now. Amy Batters this is Amy from North Dakota, right? Yeah. Amy and D. She sends us a voicemail and she sent us a picture of her. Here's me a few years back. With one of the actual R2s from A New Hope at the Smithsonian. Cool. Because the not because the the normies I was with could not appreciate this moment. This was my thing, as most nerds have their thing. And all I got was five seconds for a snapshot. LOL. She looks adorable. She's loving it. Ugh. Let's see what she's got for us. Hey there, Joe and Matt. It's Amy from North Dakota. It's been a long time since you've heard from me. I apologize for that. But I'm still out here listening. We love you. cover to cover, representing the THN lady listeners, few though we may be. <laughs> Anyways, you, two Amy. things for you guys today, real quick. <laughs> for the question of the week, my thing is definitely Star Wars, and my favorite character has been R2D2 since I was a kid. And when I was younger, I liked him because he looked cool and I couldn't tell like what he was saying, but I knew he was sarcastic and cynical and all that stuff, which made me laugh. But as an adult, I realized that after all the movies, Clone Wars, all that, 
R2 save more Jedi asses than I can count. Seriously, like oh, yeah. all the time with oh, yeah. the Jedi ass saving. And for little <laughs> thanks. Plus, I like to believe that all his bleeps and bloops are basically some version of, you guys are fucking kidding me, right? Or <laughs> it's Palpatine, you fucking idiots. Anyway, right, R2 yeah. is my thing because he's the real hero of Star Wars. Suck it, Skywalkers. Whoa. Uh, secondly, I'm going to be in your fair city this weekend. My mother-in-law lives in Iowa, not too far from you guys. So other than making a stop at the listener mecca of Legend Comics and Coffee and stopping off for a hefty sampling of Matt's balls, what else do you recommend a she-nerd to do with a few spare hours in Omaha? Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. I got to go. Vikings preseason football's on, and I only have a short window to be jacked about the season before the inevitable heartbreak happens. Hopefully I'll catch you guys (laughs) live sometime soon. Later, nerds. I'm afraid the preseason is the only place that the Minnesota Vikings are going to look good this year. (laughs) Uh, The real shame is that she will not hear these recommendations before she goes home, but... Maybe she's watching us live right now. Uh, No. Who knows? Oh. Well, let's just pretend she is. Okay. Uh, If you're in town, I would say, after you go to Legend, yeah, by all means, come down to Blackstone, go to the Meatball, go across the street... And go to Night Owl. They've got an amazing boozy slushy oh, machine. Oh, man. I love Night Owl. Holy Night Owl crass. is my favorite bar in Omaha. Oh, it's wonderful. It's uh, such a comfortable place to hang out. Yeah, it is. And that's this is just a go over to Coneflower in Blackstone. The ice cream. Excellent ice cream. Their Blackstone butter brickle. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, it'll get you. I'm telling you. Uh, after that, you probably. Take a nap. Yeah. I mean, I mean you might have because you'll be full of booze and after food. that. But you'll be hungry again. I would say head up to Benson. And there's a rad little ramen shop called Ika that you can go to over there. Right across the street is Jake's, fun little cocktail bar. And uh, there's the waiting room has something, somebody playing this weekend. I don't even know. But yeah, there's so much nerdy, fun stuff to do in Omaha. I'm sorry we couldn't bump into you, Amy. None of those things you said were nerdy. That's, you know, pretty nerdy. Eat a bunch of food, go watch a band. That's not nerdy. Sure it is. What, 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 what are we going to do? We're going to send her on a nerd tour? Go to the Western Heritage Museum, and I think <laughs> you'll be very interested in their corn exhibit. You know, like what? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have any you other. Know. Well, you can stop by Dragon's Lair, check out their oh, new location. Uh, really go nice. to the Pop Culture Exchange. I've been wanting to go there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, fun. It's right over by the dog food. It's an exarban. It's an exarban yeah. village, or full of old video games and toys and stuff. That yeah. place is great. Yeah, and they're like so a, nice. I don't know how they can afford the rent where they yeah. are located because they are in the heart of a very new, very fancy development. Yeah, it might be a drug front. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a drug front. I hope yeah. it is for their sake because that means they're making money. But yeah, they they've got like all sorts of like eighties and nineties action figures and old video game consoles yeah. and board games. That place is great, man. I I just was looking at their photos on. Facebook. I want to go there and check it out. I've never been. Yeah, I've been a few times. Every time I go to the Green Spot, which is a little dog food place next door, yeah. I stop by and it's like, yeah, I'll take a peek. I do not need that Lando Calrissian, but I'm gonna stare at it. For I a mean, while. their old action <laughs> figures are a little. They they seemed a little pricey. Like I am not paying twenty nine ninety nine for a Captain Planet well, action. Hey figure. man, you know I don't care if it's still in the package. Go find some. Go find one somewhere else. I dare you. Yeah, Let's get the enough. Harvey Locust here. Thanks for your call, Amy, Amy. Welcome back, our sole female listener, Amy. Uh, before we move on, okay, Tom Barrett. Who is watching us on Facebook Live? I know Tom. Who wins between Gigan and King Ghidorah in a race around the world? Go! King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah can fly at super speed. Gigan's fast, but he's not he's not Monster Zero fast. Get out of here. Come on. King Ghidorah wins. You heard it here first, yeah, Tom. There you go. And Gigan flies really weird. <laughs> I don't know. What, like, I don't even know why that character had to fly. You know? <laughs> Stupid. But we'll get to more uh, Godzilla in a little bit here, because that's 
my nerd thing. Right now, let's hear about Harvey Locust's nerd thing. Hey, nerds. Locust here. MP3 and my answer to the question of the week because, oh, this is a sweet spot for me. Oh. You know it's my thing. It's my thing. I. Harvey is also drunk. Hold on, Harv. Hold on. We'll get back to you. I promise. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Live. Who dis? Yo, what's up? It's Cat Nerd. Yo, Cat Nerd. How hey, you doing, right. brother? Two weeks in a row. I gotta, gotta try to get my regular status back. I love it. You did I it. I love it. You're crawling out. Of, you're rolling out of the rack at the crack of nine and giving us a call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What do you want to rap about? Well, first off, I just want to quickly say that my answer to the question of the week, I can, I can let you know that um, my first issue of The Mighty Thor was Walt Simonson's last. So oh, really? That, that, was en- that was enough. It's a fight with the Midgard Serpent, and I was like, holy shit. And then, you know, that just sparked up a whole other thing. And, you know, uh, that also sort of, sort of um, indicates one of the things that the Orca is wrong about. <laughs> oh, um, I see. Picking fights with the Orca again, I, are we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, I've got some issues with that latest uh, postcard. Okay. Um, and... And, you know, surprisingly, I'm not mad at him about, uh, you know, casual misogyny, which I, I'm still mad about, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm over it. Time. I find myself becoming a casual misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. How convenient not, for not, you not as a man. At all. Not over at all. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've got, I've got a, a laundry list of issues. Um, but uh, this latest one about sort of um, artists and stuff. So, like, on the surface, there's some things that I agree with. Like, the idea is to sort of encourage young artists to not give up and to keep pursuing their goals and, and plugging away and like getting Absolutely. in. But it was also at the same time, like I sort of feel like he was saying things that were completely antithetical to, um, he was basically being a gate, gatekeeper at the same time as yes. telling people not to give up. I don't disagree. And that's like, that's completely hip- hypocritical and dismissive of so many people, so many types of art and art styles that don't necessarily fit into the big two box. Sure. And I don't like, you know, like it just, yeah, as someone who teaches comics and who encourages so many different types of people with different abilities of drawing to get into comics and that their efforts and their stories are valid and valued. Uh, I was just like, fuck this bullshit, <laughs> you know? So, so I wanted to call in live and say, fuck that bullshit. Everyone should be making comics. Uh, Jeff Lemire's watercolors are really pretty. Gorgeous. They're amazing. Uh, yes. And of, and of course, everyone should keep plugging away and making more and better comics because you will improve and you will get better at storytelling. Yes. Um, but just to be like so dismissive of so many different people's art, I just thought was like just a crock. And you know, whatever, the Orca is a character, sure. you know, but like, uh, you know, he calls into your show. He's part of He's a segment, but hey, you know, he's like, fair game. He has, he has he's. He's a character, and when you like, he's a he's a he's a wrestling personality. Like yes. whatever, he's he's not a real person. But that also allows him to get away with saying some bullshit that you guys honestly like. But no one would would fucking tolerate from like oh, anyone no. else. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> like, he's our crazy Andy Rooney in a wrestling mask, you know. <laughs> like no, and again, he's allowed to have his opinions. I, he doesn't like Jeff Lemire. That's fine. I try you know? not to let the orchid get oh, away yeah, with yeah. too much. It's editorial, you know. That's the idea. We it's a different perspective, you know. But I agree. There was some dismissive stuff, and it, it's one thing to say, "Look, I hate this type of art," but that doesn't mean it should go away. 
keep doing it. You know, right, whatever. right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah and like, hey, hey, there's, there's every there's week we that grapple like, with that when for. we review these comics and we're like, look, the art was just bad. And I have to think to yeah. myself, well, I mean, what would you do better? <laughs> you know? Well, there's, there's you a difference. Asshole. There's a difference <laughs> between bad, like saying something bad is that's objective. Right. Um, saying, you know, that it's not art to your personal preference right, or it's worthless or something. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's, a you want to, you want to say that you don't care for it. Sure. That's one thing, but like you have to be able to appreciate, I guess it's a struggle to be able to appreciate, uh, the mechanics uh, of, right. of, of, a of an artist's talent, even if I don't really like what they're doing. Sure. And so, yeah, I, I'm totally. not, I'm not into dismissing artists. Uh, just because they draw sexy booby doll squad or whatever. Booby booby <laughs> booby doll squad. Look, that wasn't me. That was Aaron. Right. But yes. Uh, so Jim, I'm one, I'm 100% on board with you. I totally agree. Uh, I think I I I also kind of pushed back against him last week on this. Uh, but yeah, I totally think it's bullshit to say like you got cut. Make way. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. great. Thanks. Thank you, Matt. Well, I like to just let his editorial stand. You know, like it is what it is. And these and then they can call in. And we can talk about. He it. That's wants what we're us to respond to him. We're responding. This is us responding. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody thinks that I agree with everything the orca says because every time I make a good point, you cut it. That's right. Hook, line, and sinker. Otherwise, I'll just cut it and make it. You, you should. It, <laughs> you you should you should let Joe have his have his counterpoint because because for real because like because honestly like all the other shit like I honestly do think that the whoever the orca really is does have some interesting thoughtful things to say about comics, but the the whole shtick is so tired. Like really. Oh, see, and I still guys, love like, it. Sometimes you. So you guys like, but you guys encourage like you, oh, you try to get like more women to call into the show. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that any woman, woman who hears some of the, the orca jokes are going to be like, fuck this shit. I'm not going to call into the show, you know, or they'll so call in to be, be mad aware, at but, it, like, you know, <laughs> why would we want that? Right. No, but like, but, but, but people like women have enough shit to be mad at and they're not sure. going to go out of their way to call sure. into a comic book show to, to vent on that shit. They're just going to say, oh, this isn't for me. Fair enough. And like, and go away. That's fair. right. Yeah, so, no, you're not wrong. So that's, that's, that's my point. Of, that's my point of view on that. So I sort of wish the orca would just put the mask away and then just have interesting editorials about comics. Just be the man. You know, like, <laughs> there you go. Well, hopefully, be the, be the man. Drop, drop, drop the mask. I'm calling the orca out. I know I had a sort of funny, like sort of tongue in cheek wrestling style thing, like you know, sure. months ago. Sure. But that's my honest opinion. I think that he probably, you know, it has the makings of a of a good comics columnist but like the sexist jokes the dumb shtick like it could all go away you know what i mean like everyone else everyone else is themselves and except for first time able to voice their opinions (laughs) except for first time yeah (laughs) but like but you know but everyone else is like a a guy or a gal you know like just you know falling in and and rapping with you dudes. Well, anyway well hopefully i I got my venting out of the way hopefully the orca hears this it's a kind of a it's a roll of the dice when it comes to matt so I still, up to I still Matt. love the comedy of it, unfortunately. And I and I like inappropriate comedy at times because it is comedy. Are you going to leave this in the show? That, yeah, I'm leaving this in. All right, then. I like inappropriate comedy because I just, in my opinion, nothing's off limits. And if we can't laugh at it, we should just all cry about it. Yes, you know I mean? but it's okay for you to laugh at it. It's another thing for you to like force it into your show when you're trying to appeal to a wide Well, audience. sure, sure. I got that too. But I, I want that audience to understand. Matt Bomb's not, I'm not around. And I'm not, <laughs> and, and like, I, whatever. I, I like still love you guys. I think you guys do awesome, positive things. I just, you know, I wanted to get that out there and specifically talk about 
that last, uh, last postcard because, you know what? It was an interesting editorial that I completely disagreed with. Sure. Totally um, fair. And I wanted to, wanted to talk about it. Fair enough. I appreciate and, the call, oh, Kettner. Yeah, no, totally. Um, and before I go, uh, just to totally switch gears, I'm going to be a shill for five seconds and say that uh, my podcast, Adult Crash, is finally coming back. Yes. Uh, hey! have a new episode on this Wednesday. And we're on Patreon. You guys were like the first, one of the first uh, 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 Patreon accounts we followed, followed back. Thank you for your support. I wanted to say that as well. Right on. And yeah, you guys rule. Adult Super Crash happy. coming back anyway, this probably, Wednesday. I, Subscribe, you jerks. Okay. Oh, Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, the 15th, the oh, 15th Tuesday, which Tuesday. is our anniversary. Oh, Tuesday, nice. Yep, totally. Very cool. Awesome. Congrats, guys. Right, guys. We're glad to have you back, Head Nerd. Awesome. All and, right. And glad, glad, to, glad to be calling you on the regular. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs> Talk to you soon. All right, let's get back to Harv here. Hey, nerds. Locust here. MP3 and my answer to the question of the week because, oh, this is a sweet spot for me. You know it's my thing. It's my thing. Oh. I, you can't sue if I'm singing it. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I don't know if that's true, Harvey. Yeah, of course, everybody knows it's Excalibur. Whoa. Excalibur is my thing. Yeah, he's called in about um, it before. You know, it has been for a long, long time since it first came out in 1988 because I was... Uh, well, hi, Kitty. Um, it was the thing that got me into comics, really. I mean, I was I was an X Men reader, but not a comic book collector. And when uh, I went to a store, my local grocery store, and saw Excalibur number one sitting on a shelf, that was the first comic that made it into my collection and made me a collector. And it wasn't until sometime later that I even found out about the sword is drawn. At least, a, at least three or four years later. And when I read that, oh my god, my yeah. mind was blown. Yeah, I but loved that story. Even now, to this day, what is it, nineteen, uh, nineteen, two thousand seventeen. <laughs> Or some bullshit like that. 1917. <laughs> I have every single Excalibur comic book except for one. And that is Weird War 3. Weird War 3. I do not have. I've never read. Is he on the tarmac? I don't have any idea what happens into it. I. That is just a gem that I have left on my shelf. Oh, two minutes. Sorry, guys. Gotta go. I'm gonna see but if, I if can... anybody has Weird War 3, please send it to me. I'm going to see if I Bye. can find my copy of that. I have it. I totally have it. <laughs> and nice. if I can find my copy, I'm going to give it to you, Harv. That's awesome. Uh, Harvey was watching as we played his call. He said, I was obviously drunk. Yes. And I didn't even know I sent it in. He was laying in the street <laughs> when he called. As you I thought tell. he was on the tarmac getting ready to take off. Because <laughs> it was like know. ramping up. And a cat just walked up to him. Jimmy Randall hits us. Uh, hey, guys, please find attached my latest submission for cover to cover. Disclaimer. I really, truly like Lord Fungus and Manchester rocks. Oh, I think he's calling out Lord Fungus. Oh, oh no. I'll be in the area next April if he wants to grab a beer. No hard feelings for what he's about to hear. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> okay. G'day, Joe. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. Jimmy Randall here. Now, just a note about last week's episode. I have a diplomatic message Whoa. for Lord Fungus. Fungus. <laughs> 
How dare you, sir? Uh-oh. I will not hear a bad word spoken about Captain Boomerang. You have smeared his good name all over this fine podcast. Captain Boomerang is a national treasure. I'll have you know he single-handedly killed 36 Viet Cong. It did happen in 2008, but that's beside the point. What you need to understand about the good captain's costume is this. Captain Boomerang's costume is like an actual boomerang in that its design supersedes just being terrible. It comes all the way back around to being amazing. The character is a pillock, I'll give you that, but just go easy, geez. So uh, the origin of my thing, eh? Well, as far as comics go, I was born with uh, ink in the veins, four colours on the brain. You know, it's, I've always loved them. So, but what's my actual thing? Well, here's the shtick. Uh, six-year-old Jimmy saw Grease. That led me down a path of always appreciating musicals. But also my personal musical preference is swing, rockabilly, generally from the 50s and 60s. That's my thing. My friends and colleagues know me as the rockabilly guy who also loves musicals. Now, before Matt reaches through the internet and punches me square in the nuts, i got to point out my top three bands are Every Time I Die, Coheed and Cambria, and The Dillinger Escape Plan. And, guys, if you want a good time... Go see a musical. Go see a fucking musical. Yeah. Go see The Book of Mormon that was or great. another awesome Book stage production like that. You know, Les Mis is always good. Oh. Cats. Phantom of the fucking opera, oh. lads. It's all good. Oh. And that's it from me. Jimmy out. <laughs> Fart noise. <laughs> I don't think anybody actually likes cats. Oh, God. Jesus. That last one. A lot of trouble. <laughs> I don't think anybody actually likes Nobody cats. Likes I think they cats. just say they like cats. My and wife they kept it loves running. musicals, and she like the her one line review of Cats was like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" <laughs> Captain Boomerang. Uh, I love Captain Boomerang. He's a big Australian favorite. You know, he doesn't play as well in Jolly Old England. I mean, and I'm sorry, but that costume sucks. It is dumb. Now. I would argue not the worst boomerang-themed costume. That goes to Boomerang from Spider-Man. Really, really stupid. You mean the guy that actually wears literal boomerangs wears all over boomerangs his body? on his body yeah. and takes them off and throws them and puts them back on. So dumb. <laughs> uh, I like Boomerang. I'm fine with the character. It's yeah. a bad costume. Speaking of Lord Fungus... Good morning, nerds. This is the home of heavy metal in Birmingham, England. I'm the newly christened stately Lord Fungus. Yes. I'm taking a break from writing the follow-up to my first album, Bossa Nova Wasp Shorts, to talk to you about the time (laughs) when I felt that I first had serious issues with my mental state. Uh, Nope, there's no punchlines coming, and this is me being honest about the depression I suffered through and still do, and it started as a teenager. One of the only ways I could counter this was to repeat read titles such as Milk and Cheese and Black Orchid in a bid to escape the continuous loathing of myself and the world. It's a cliche of sorts to say that comics can offer us escape into other worlds, but sometimes it's a ticket you have to buy and a trip you have to make if you want to get out to the other side. Well, now I'm a sprightly 45-year-old with a beautiful wife and an amazing dog, and I think back to the young me and to the titles that for others might have just been flippant reads at the local store. But for me, they were the key to staying alive. Titles as diverse as Sandman, WWF Comics, Batman, 2018, Sonic the Hedgehog, brought colour and movement into a life filled with anxiety and motionless negativity. So that, my friends, is how I came to love the thing I love, comic books. Right, on to our word of the week, and that word ah. is 
Sod. Say it with me, Matt and Joe. Sod. Sod. It's, I can just imagine Matt's going sad because he sort of like says the sad. O's is hard. <laughs> he does, you're right. <laughs> Do not um, sod. It's a short one and it means clump of earth, actually, a sod of land. But we in the UK, we use it as a good way to tell somebody to fuck off sod without off. being too rude to them. As in, oi, sod off, pal, you silly sod. <laughs> So uh, next time you're on the street and somebody does something, you know, just annoys you, but they're not too bad, you just go, oi, you silly sod. Finally, right, okay, a question for you and the Listen Nerds. All right. I asked this on the forums a few weeks back. If Marvel and DC are pulling circa one billion per movie on average, what would they have to do to break the two billion pound dollar, the two billion pound dollar per movie mark? Does Batman have to fight Iron Man on Tatooine for this to happen? (laughs) Probably. Chat amongst yourselves. And until next time, this is Stately Lord Fungus, author of the book, A Topical Cream Should Shift It, saying (laughs) adios, you bad hombres. Birmingham Act. Oh, man. Uh, These calls are always so great. I really appreciate that very thoughtful answer uh, to start with. I don't want to, like, gloss over it with the jokes. No, 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 no. And it brings up a really good point. Like, back in the day... Reading comics was not cool. It no, wasn't. No. This is what nerds did. And guys like Joe and I and Staley Lord Fungus, we grew up nerds and we read comics to escape from the constant nerd punishment we received. You know, I like I didn't fall in love with superheroes because I was such a badass, you know? <laughs> it's because I was a scrawny little kid, you know? Uh regarding uh his question. What would these companies have to do to break the $2 billion mark? We might find out with Avengers Infinity. I think, I, I think that this, this team-up stuff is a pretty big contender. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it is a stretch to say that Avengers Infinity War could be the highest grossing film of all time. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen. You know? I, it, it's going to be a smash. But then on the other hand, is, is there just are there only just so many... Is the audience for this stuff just so big? Like, there's I mean, got to be a limit, right? Possibly. Like, it doesn't matter if they, if they suddenly decided to throw in, well, I mean, a DC Marvel crossover movie. That would be... No. Uh, not now. No way. No, no. I'm not saying, no. It'll, I'm not saying it'll ever happen. I'm saying... I think, I'm pulling that one out of the ether. <laughs> I'm, saying the, I'm saying that the only way that, like, if, if in an alternate universe that should ha- ever happen... That would be the only way to get like the audience of people that does not care that cares about yeah. that cares about comic books but doesn't care about Marvel to watch. Well, and I, I think the way that like these movies really do it, like like Avatar, for example, people kept seeing it and seeing it and seeing it and seeing it over and over again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it goes back to our like replayability question. The more that they put in there and the more that they drop fan service wise and guest star and whatnot, it gives these movies more replayability. And when you come up on something like Avengers Infinity War, where it's going to have every character you've seen in a Marvel movie in it, basically... I don't know what else the formula would be. Right. And I mean, I also am wondering if the reason why we've kind of plateaued in terms of box office wise, like they keep raising the stakes, but they like nothing has quite gotten better than like say Avengers, right? Or whatever the highest grossing Marvel movie is. I think it might still be Avengers. I think you're Um, right. I think you're right. Or, or age of Ultron maybe, but there's one way to find out. There's no way to know. Yeah. Um, the, they keep raising the stakes, but does the box office keep going up or has it kind of stagnated? And I'm wondering if part of that is also because the way we consume movies has changed. 
even in the short amount of time since Avengers came out. Well, it's been eight years or it's, it's been six, five, six years. Right. The Avengers is still the highest by a lot. Um, 623 million versus 459 million for Avengers age of Ultron. So wow. is the way we consume media different enough now that like maybe they're seeing it in the theater once. Right. And then they're waiting until they can get a high def home copy. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, honestly, and then watching it every day on their big screen. I do think that infinity war could do it though. We'll see right now. Thank you for your call, by the way. Stay Absolutely. Lord Fungus. And I expect you to fully have beef with our Australia, your Australian counterpart, Jimmy Randall. I do have a real, I quick- want beef. I want beef. <laughs> I want to circle back around to Jimmy's call real quick because black scorpion said something in the chat that reminded me of something he pointed out last week when we had this conversation. Okay. Uh, Captain Boomerang's costume. Yes. He was a mascot. He was a toy mascot. Yeah. And that's the reason he looks so ridiculous is because that costume was like meant to appeal to children. I get that, but he could change his clothes. But he was Captain Boomerang. Like he had an identity. He had an established identity. Oh God. And then he became a criminal? Yeah, and then he became a criminal. So change your identity at that point. No, but no, he wanted people to know that he was Captain Boomerang. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, so like there is a story reason for why he has such a ridiculous outfit. Hey, Joe. Lord. Sorry. Scott Clark. Hey, John, Matt, this is Scott from Calgary Falls, Ohio, calling in for the question of the week. And this week's question is, uh, what is our secret origin to our thing? My thing uh, would be uh, easy, easy question, uh, because my thing is obviously the Fantastic Four. I love the Fantastic Four. And I, I you know, it was my first comic I picked up. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it ended. <laughs> And uh, I want to get to that later, but here's my secret origin. Basically, back in 1979, uh, I think it was NBC decided to put out a cartoon of the Fantastic Four. And I had briefly looked at comics beforehand. I leafed through them, uh, but I never read them. So when when the cartoon came on, you know, I'd give it a try. And so what happened was I got to see Mr. Fantastic. Um, Then we got to see, you know, the thing. Um, Sue Storm, the Invisible Girl. But uh, they gave with some crappy robot in place of the human torch. What the fuck, dude? Seriously. The fucking uh, Herbie taking the place of uh, Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four. They were trying to up no, their no, robot no, no, viewership. No, no, no. no, I was so pissed that I raced down to the corner store, the, the convenience store, and uh, bought my first comic book, uh, Fantastic Four 202, and I've been a fan ever since, um, which is what I wanted to get to because... Um, it makes me cry to know that the, uh, I, I won't see a version of the Fantastic Four in the comic book form until this whole silliness is ironed out, out with Fox. I, I know you're on my side, but we need to, uh, you know, all us nerds put our heads together and, and some find some way to force Fox to uh, give up the rights to the Fantastic Four and give them back to Marvel. At least share. You know, uh, it worked with Spider-Man. Please, please, please give me a real version of the Fantastic Four in, in uh, movie form. Please, just do something to fix this. <laughs> All right, I gotta go because I, I know I'm over my time. Bye. Scott is. The, I mean, the begging. Please. <laughs> the begging can only help. For those of you keeping score, Fantastic Four two hundred two was the Fantastic Four and Iron Man versus Quasimodo. <laughs> Quasimodo, yeah. I mean, not not the best issue no? to, to start with. No, uh, but I love. Marv Wolfman and John Bushima. How great is it that his love of comics, his love of, uh, he he loved the Fantastic Four before he ever got into the comics. Right. 
And he was so mad at Herbie, and that's what drove him to comics. <laughs> uh, Herbie, for the record, stands for Humanoid Experimental Robot B-Type Integrated Electronics. Give me a break. God, I hate Herbie. Nobody liked Herbie. And what were they doing? Were they like, you know what kids like? Robots. And, and, and I guarantee someone's like, look, if you put the Human Torch on TV, kids are going to dump gas over no, their heads and light themselves on fire. That is not why the Human Torch was not in the cartoon. It was a rights issue because he already had a, his own thing. He did? Yeah, like a long time ago. What like, was that? The rights were tied up for something. God, it's so but dumb. It's like a, it's a, an urban legend that they didn't put him in the cartoon because they were afraid of kids emulating the Human Torch. <laughs> and it's bullshit. It's not true. Right. Kids just like, well, I want to be on I fire. Mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Spider-Man and his amazing friends had a character named Firestar. Yeah. Like, I know. Yeah, but she no- was hot. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And she was a girl. The guys are going to be like, I want to be a flaming girl. You know, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's 2017. You it can do that now. You yeah, you can. No one's going to judge you. Not Live here. your bliss. No judgment. All right. Thank you for your call, Scott. And I'm sorry. And the Fantastic Four Fox Marvel thing is one of the ugliest examples of when business gets in the way of comics. And it's too goddamn bad. So let's go to this Google voice call real quick here. Let's do this. 6.47 a.m.? On a Saturday? Mm. Oh, it's Marcus, my sous chef. Here we go. <laughs> hey, this is Marcus. Uh, one question. Uh, what's the last book, video game, or, like, nerdy item that you got literally giddy for? Like, you couldn't, like, wipe that smile off your face. Oh. And also, what does it feel like to have friends? I really <laughs> would like to know what that feels like. Thanks. Bye. Well, maybe if you weren't such a loser, you would know, Marcus. <sighs> for those of you who aren't in the joke, um, I constantly... Uh, psychologically abuse Marcus because in my opinion, it lifts his performance at work and I don't want him being happy, but that's not the point. Uh, last nerd thing that we got legitimately excited for. I am legitimately excited for the upcoming shadows of war. The second part of the shadows of Mordor game. Well, he wants to know what the, is the last nerd thing you experienced that put a smile on your face. Or you say, yeah, video game, movie, yeah, right. book that, yeah. Not I, what you're excited for, but what you've oh, already been through okay. that well, you I just, am like, super really excited so for that. I am super excited for that. I think, man, it's a tough one because my cold black heart rarely gets excited about anything anymore. Uh, for me, like, I've been reading, I've been reading the Discworld series by Terry Pratchett. What what made you start doing that? Um, I remember we talked about it not too long ago. Somebody called in and talked about it. No, I, I just... You know, it's one of those things where it's like I knew it existed. I knew it was this beloved thing, and I just never got into it. Right. Uh, and I just like pulled the trigger. I was like, "All right," and I signed up for Audible, and I've been like shotgunning them mm-hmm. uh, for about a year now. And I'm, I think, eighteen books in out of forty-five. Jesus. Uh, yeah, I'm making good progress. He wrote forty-five books. Well, of, and there'd be the more, series? but he died. Uh, what a loser. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, like Discworld, it, it like. It's it makes me so happy. It's such a great series of books, and they're all interconnected, and there's a continuity. Okay, uh, and there's forty five. So there's forty four novels, I think, uh, and there's about seven or eight like main threads. Right. So um, some of the books follow death, the Grim Reaper. Uh, some of them follow a group of witches. Some of them follow the City Watch. Sounds lame. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'll pass. Uh, oh, the 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 wizard the the oh, the wizard too. the wizarding uh, school unseen university which is uh, run by the wizards and oh you know what we discussed there was this is like somebody optioned this for a TV show I think 
and there's something coming. We discussed. Well, they've they've made like BBC has done some stuff. Right. I mean, no, but there's like something new coming. Somebody well, mentioned it. I want to say a oh, sci-fi series or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I don't know if it's ever going to get off the ground. But yeah, um, Discworld. Every time I start a new book. Even the ones that I start off thinking, oh man, I don't know if I like this one as much as I like the last one. By the time I'm into it or it gets to the end, I'm like, I am smiling so much. Like the one I'm listening to right now is called Masquerade. Uh, and it is a uh, sort of a play on Phantom of the Opera, which came up earlier in Jimmy's Gall. Made me roll my eyes. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's about this uh, uh, this this opera uh, company whose uh, employees and, and singers keep getting murdered okay. by the opera ghost. And uh, the, the witches, the, the coven of witches, that's uh, like one of the main characters in the book. That's what Discworld centers around, these witches? Uh, well, it's, they're one of them. This is one, okay. of, their, well, this is one of their books, um, okay. Granny Weatherwax and Nanny Young. Um, and so they're in town, like, investigating these murders. Uh, but that's not what brought them to town. And there's always just like this, these fun twists and it's this mystery and it's very cleverly written. Uh, I just love it. I love it so much. It's Next week super on duper Discworld dorky. cast, Joe is going to do some live Look, reading. He asked <laughs> and that's it. That's like what I'm into right now. Discworld. Okay. I'm all about it. I'm going to spin his question into my answer for the question of the week. Uh, the last thing that I really got giddy and like clapped my hands and just squealed like a pig about was the end of the most recent King Kong movie where they did the after credit sequence where they started calling up pictures of these other monsters and showing cave paintings of the Godzilla monsters and how they're going to bring Godzilla and King Kong together. Oh my God. I knew it was coming. Yeah, because I knew it was coming. King Kong of us. And I was wiggling in my seat while they were doing it. It's like, because my thing is Godzilla. My nerdy thing, that like the thing that I love more than anything that I can think of giant monsters and giant robots. And it all goes back to map bomb as a seven year old kid. And I believe we came back in town for Christmas. And at that time we would always go over to my uncle Ken and aunt Sally's house on Christmas morning for breakfast. And that year, my cousin Todd, who is older than me was getting rid of some of his old toys and, or no, 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 he wasn't getting rid of it. It was brand new. He got amazing or Z the giant Mazinger Z action figure, the Shogun Warriors, and the Godzilla figure. And I looked at that Godzilla figure with the flaming tongue that came out of its mouth, and for some reason it could shoot his fist off, because, you know, Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> and I remembered my dad taking me to see these film, this like Godzilla film festivals in Waco, Texas, because we had nothing to do. We didn't know anybody. We lived there for a while. And we would go watch these old school Toho Godzilla movies, and I just loved them. But it was that action figure that did it. I had to have it. And I have owned at least one, and at sometimes three, one that was just parts that I would take off and put on to make the perfect Godzilla. <laughs> I've got it down in the basement, but it, man, it led me down a path of absolute giant monster love. That was my secret origin. Shogun Warriors Godzilla. There got you go. me. Uh, my answer to the question of the week. Shit. Your thing. My thing. You know what your thing is. Yeah. You know exactly what your thing is. Do I have to tell you what your friggin' thing is? What's my thing? Your thing's the new warriors, dude. <laughs> All you do is, is scream and cry about the new warriors. Yeah, I mean, I did think about picking that as my thing. It's the new warriors. I demand you make that your thing. Okay, fine. 
There. Uh, I mean, I was going to talk about my love of the Legion. Anthony did that already. Um, but my love of the Legion is basically the reason why I love comics in general as well. And I have sure. told that story a number of times on the yes. show. Why don't you explain? You know what? Let's so, narrow it down. Why don't you just explain your love of speedball specifically? No, that it's all tied together. I know. So, I, yeah, you want to know my or the origin of my love for the New Warriors? Here it goes. Uh, I think in part it starts with the Marvel Handbook. Okay. Because I had issues of the Marvel Handbook and I remember reading about a villain. Right. Called the Sphinx. The Sphinx was a uh, primarily a Nova villain. Yeah. Uh, and so it was through the handbook that I learned of Nova. Uh, and I was like, oh man, that guy sounds kind of cool. And I remember seeing the ads for it in the old comics, but I never actually saw okay. the Nova comic. Flash forward to 1989, Marvel Age magazine. Well, it was a comic size, but Marvel Age was this publication that Marvel put out every month. And it was basically like a 30-page advertisement for everything Marvel was doing. How cool are we? Yeah, right? it was awesome. I loved the Oh, man, Marvel Age. So cool. And so it had like interviews with creators in it, and it had like a checklist of the books that were coming out and previews of upcoming books. Uh, and all sorts of fun stuff like preview art. And one month I remember very, uh, striking out, standing out, very striking on the rack. I was at a grocery store somewhere. I don't think we were in town. I think we were traveling and I saw Marvel age magazine and on the cover is the new warriors. So Marvel, this issue of Marvel age was advertising this new teen superhero team coming soon to the pages of. Uh, uh, to the pages of Thor. Right. And then spinning off into their own book. So they already knew when they appeared in Thor that they were getting their own book because all the promo stuff was Mark Bagley, Mark Bagley. Sure. And uh, I, I was just like so taken by the cover. First appearance, Mighty Thor, 411. Yes. 1989. Right. Uh, I was so taken by the cover that I had to have it, even though it wasn't a comic. I was like, I got to know what this is. And I read front to back everything that that thing had to offer about the new warriors. And it talked about speedball who I, Oh, I also knew was a character because I had a, uh, I had an issue of the really terrible Steve Ditko speedball comic. Oh God. Uh, and I saw him and I was like, I can't believe they're bringing this character back. <laughs> so you want to know my origin of speedball? There it is. I had an issue of that piece of shit. Okay. <laughs> and you were like, I love this. No, I hate it. I was like, what is this garbage? <laughs> Uh, and I was just so taken with the concept as like teen heroes rejected by their mentors. Right. Like they want, they like Vance Astro issue one of the Avengers. He shows up flying into Avengers mansion onto the grounds. Is like, I'm here. Uh, take me into your ranks. Here I am. And the security countermeasures like spring into action and immediately shut him down. <laughs> and it's like, oh shit. <laughs> And then Captain America comes out and says, hey, look, we appreciate it, but you're not ready. And so, like, his hero shuts him down. He's just like, get lost, kid. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, he was polite about it. Um, Vance took that shit really seriously, though. Painted stars on the ship and, like, carried a shield around. A like, thousand years man. he held that grudge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just love the idea of these. these um, they weren't sidekicks necessarily, but they were. Uh, next it, generation of heroes. Yeah, next generation of heroes. Uh, in the case of Nova, he was a hero that had been all but forgotten. Uh, you know, it had been it had been 
15 years at that point before, yeah. since his series ended. And nobody gave a shit about Nova. And uh, yeah, I just, I loved it so much. And Fabian Nicieza and Mark Bagley. Firestorm, Marvel Boy, Namorita, Nova, and Speedball, all characters that had been around. And then the newly created. Night Thrasher. Night Thrasher. Yeah. <laughs> Black dude, skateboard, nunchucks. Yeah. Come on. Absolutely. <laughs> what more do you need? What more indeed? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> sorry, Justin O'Connor says, take off your shirts. No, thank you. um yeah it was just i saw that cover to a stupid advertisement for a comic that hadn't even come out yet and i was hooked from the second i saw it and to this day i still love the new warriors i will still defend them even though they have had some really terrible who was hindsight lad (laughs) okay so god (laughs) what a terrible uh, name (laughs) there was a character And I think he was... He has a wiki page. Yep, he does. Hindsight lad. Carlton Lafroige. Carl, Carlton Lafroige, yeah. Formerly hindsight lad. He was, I believe, Speedball's neighbor. Created by Fabian Nicesia and Derek Robertson. Yes. So hindsight lad, hindsight lad was this character. He was Speedball's neighbor and he figured it out. Right. He was like a superhero junkie and he figured out, oh shit, my neighbor is Speedball. Right. And he begged him, please let me join the New Warriors. Please, please, please. And Speedle's like, you're just a guy. You're just a fat kid. Oh, my God. I'm reading about this. This is so stupid. <laughs> uh, and uh, so uh, he shows up, like, later on. He shows up. He's made himself a costume. He kind of gets in Night Thrasher's business. He made himself a costume that included automobile side mirrors attached to a football helmet. Yeah. And according to the writer... Of uh, his wiki page, he summons the help of Night Thrasher to help free the team. Through this, he weaseled his way onto the team as a non-official member, calling himself Hindsight Lad. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, he... uh, he, um, He's also obsessed with butts. (laughs) (laughs) He loves those butts. That's Heine Lad. Oh, sorry. (laughs) But, yeah, he, he... Basically, he ingratiated himself so that he could uh, start hanging out with the team, and then he ended up being like an actual useful like support character, like a not not as cool as Oracle, but sort of like a okay. like you know the man in the chair, the man in right? the chair, right? Gotcha. Uh, there it is, the secret origin of Joe Patrick's love for the New Warriors. Yeah, you want hey, ask me anything about the New Warriors? I'm here for it, <laughs> dork. <laughs> Thanks to everybody that called in. Thanks to everybody that watched us live. We do this every Saturday. You can uh, hit the call now button on Facebook and be a part of it, or you can call us at 402-819-4894. Play along with the question of the week. Talk about any of the news we do on the show. We have a lot of fun doing this, and I want to thank everybody that takes part of it. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Excelsior! That is it for THM 455. If you dig comic podcasts that start international incidents between England and Australia, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Isn't the world going through enough already? <laughs> Chelsea Clinton had a post yesterday responding to the word of the day, like Twitter, said the word of the day is pandemonium. And she was like, no. Can we have any other word of the day, please? <laughs> <laughs> THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to send a megaton-sized thanks to all of our supporters, like Lacey and Kendrick. Yeah, I saw that. Who became our latest PayPal, our Patreon patrons. 200 bucks a month. That is so <laughs> nice of those guys. And also, all of our PayPal supporters. Without you nerds, we wouldn't uh, be able to afford this very, very, very effective radiation shielding. 
keeping us alive in the ziggurat. We just said that it's not going to bother us. Yeah, I know, but we only beeps. think we only we did it for beeps. We only <laughs> think we're immune to radiation. We built this bunker for beeps. Let's be honest. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to the aforementioned Lacey Davis and Jim Kettner, who not only are about to release their first graphic novel, but they just launched a brand new Patreon page to help fund the creation of their new webcomic podcast zines and a bunch of cool content. They're building a full entertainment brand. Yeah. These are some talented folks that deserve your support. Follow the link in our show notes and show them a little love like we did. Word to the whole Kettnerd family. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just show up at your house and deliver fire and fury like the world has never seen to your toilet. <laughs> this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Hopefully there's a next week. <laughs> <laughs>